WLEW Sports Network presents The Game of the Week with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, Doug Cole, Rochelle Ramsey, and Dan Banky. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, powered by AgriValley Services. It's the second week of the postseason. The playoff field has been cut in half, and with a win tonight, it'll be either Cassidy or Sandusky headed to the Division 7 District Final. Good evening from the coziest booth of the Greater Thumb Conference, Cassidy, Michigan. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network. I'm your host, Clark Ramsey, for tonight's broadcast. Alongside of me, as always, is a true professional. He even has a license to prove it. Please welcome Dave Hansen. Thank you, Clark. Happy to be here, and always a pleasure to call a game from Cass City. They always take such good care of us. The, the field looks great, and we have spectacular weather tonight. The good news for tonight, it's about double the temperature of what it was a week ago. The bad news, someone is going to put a blemish on their perfect record. The question is, will it be Cass City or Sandusky? Both enter with a 7-0 record. Just talking off the air, both of these teams so equally matched. Great running game, very tough in the trenches. Expectations for both teams couldn't be any higher. The Sandusky Redskins enter tonight's game with seven wins, zero losses in the Greartham East title in tow. They blasted through St. Charles a week ago, scoring 54 points in the first half in route to a 54-0 victory, which brings them to Cassidy this evening. Hard to believe that you're a 7-0 team and in week two of the playoffs you're going on the road, but that's just the nature of the business this year. Two very good teams, but we couldn't have it any other way. The best in the West, arguably, against the best in the East, no question. Can't wait to see who comes out on top. In 2019, the Cassidy Redhawks secured their first district championship in school history. Now, a year later, they hope to repeat that effort. They already checked off the first box, another greater than West title, but now they're trying to go for their third straight playoff victory over the Sandusky Redskins. And they'll have their hands full. These teams, again, are very equally matched, defensively tough. We'll see which one makes the least amount of mistakes. Coming up in the next 55 minutes, we'll look at our other area games, host our media roundtable, and take a deep dive into the game of the week. Sandusky at Cass City in the second round of the MHSA playoffs. It's all right here on your home for high school football, the WLEW Sports Network, being powered by Anger Valley Services. 7-0 against 7-0, Sandusky at Cass City in the MHSA playoffs. Presentation of the WLW Sports Network is being brought to you by Thumb Sailor, the talk of the thumb. DS Services of Cass City for all your grain handling needs. Kotic Radiator in Air Conditioning of Bad Axe. Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns. Here in Daily Tribune, home of the Prep Zone. North Star Bank, guiding the way. Here on Auto Parts, Farmers Co op Grain Company of Cass City. Countryside Sales and Service in Stacks Market of Owendale. Thumb Bank and Trust, community strong since 1895. The Michigan High School Athletic Association. Ensure health. Better health. Better life. Are you sure? Internet services are provided by Agar Valley Services on the Blazing Speed, their TrueNet 4G wireless network. Go to agarvalleyservices.com for broadband internet that you can count on. This game broadcast is a copyrighted presentation, Thumb Broadcasting Incorporated. All rights are reserved. Any reproduction without the express written consent of the WLW Sports Network is strictly prohibited. Over the course of the season, the WLW Sports Network typically covers around 12 to 13 teams. 
this year being abbreviated on the front end and hopefully not on the back end as well. We have covered seven total teams in eight weeks. Seventeen, seven seems to be the number of the night, in fact. Both teams are 7-0. and This is our seventh broadcast of the season. We have covered seven teams this year so far, and seven electoral college votes can make a world of difference. If there's one man who is the epitome of bipartisan support, it's Dave Hanson. Uh, you never cease to crack me up in those segments, but uh, you're absolutely right. I'll leave the last part alone. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll know who our president is by uh, the first of the year. Uh, by the time basketball's finished, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in that area. But uh, anyways, we're, uh, we're happy to be here and looking forward to what should be a very competitive football game. A week ago, we found ourselves in Banax, Michigan. We were able to witness history, or at least something that has not happened in 42 years. For the first time since 1978, the Banax Hatchets won a playoff game, taking over the Elkton Pigeon Bayport. Lakers 19 to 12 in a game filled with intensity, defense, and plenty of penalties. No kidding. It's something like that that hasn't happened in 42 years for us, Clark. That is history. That's something that we have not seen in our lifetime, and it was a very big victory for the Hatchets. Clearly, a lot of penalties went their way, but Bad Axe on the other side of things was dealing with a ton of injuries of their own. Were able to overcome those, maintain a game plan, and was able to, led by their defense, take care of, the, of Lakers beating them twice in the same season. To our left, once again, would be our Director of Sports Information, Doug Cole. Each and every week, Doug Cole runs the roads all the way from Livonia, Michigan for us. He handles all the offensive and defensive stats for us at the same time, which I then go all into a giant algorithm and spits out results for Dave and myself so we can pass them on to you, our listeners. Doug, glad to see you're able to make it to Cassidy this evening. Thanks, Clark. Glad to be here. It's a beautiful night here in Red Hawk country. Looking forward to a nail-biter between two unbeaten teams. Absolutely, and I uh, can't wait for all the uh, the good information you give us, but uh, how was your trip up? Did you make any stops? Trip uh, up was great. Uh, took M53 for most of the way. It was a nice drive, and I stopped in downtown Cass City. It was a pub called Gilligan's. Gilligan's, ah, mainstay of Cass City. And what'd you, what'd you have? I had the bacon burger with the French fries. It was delicious, medium well. Does it get this Doug Cole seal of approval? Yes, it does. Oh, thank goodness. I was <laughs> concerned there for a second. So, excellent. Good to hear. Gilgan's in downtown Cass City. Doug Cole gives him the Doug Cole seal of approval. So, dining with Doug can continue for another week. Absolutely. And I just got to point out, you're the only one that enjoys driving on 53. And I was going to say, yeah. it as pleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, M53 for what seems forever. Forever 53, right. And to our right is our world-renowned director of visual data, Dan Binky, our spotter. Dan has the pleasure and responsibility seeking out the ball carriers and tackles for us on every single place that we sound like we know what we're talking about on air. Absolutely. And as a former player, he's uh, he sees the game inside and out. He picks up the ball better than all of us up here probably combined. So he's a, a huge asset for us, and we appreciate Dan being here tonight. Our director of game data analytics, Rochelle Ramsey, is not with us tonight due to booth constraints and her having a soft spot in my heart. I, she has the night off. Typically, she would be handling our game log, including our first, third, and fourth down conversion rates. Considering how nice the temperature it's is a beautiful tonight, night, yes. I, I, I am so surprised she used her last vacation day on tonight. <laughs> but uh, we will miss her, and we will do our best to uh, accumulate those stats without her. I think she might be the only person with more vacation days accrued than Cliff Tour right here tonight. Uh, yeah, that's hard to do. <laughs> well, and back once again this Sunday at 7 p.m. is the strong side. Join Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, and Paul P. Adams on Sunday at 7 p.m as we break down the second week of the postseason and take a look at who survived and whose seasons came to a close. Tune in to Sports Radio, 1021 WLWSports.com, or now catch us also live on YouTube. 
Just go to YouTube and search for WLW Sports. Not only can you listen to the Strong Side, but now you can watch the Strong Side as well. Absolutely, and uh, there are some other games out there that, of course, going on at the exact same time. One that comes to mind, USA and Ubley. I, I can't wait to see how that game goes as well. So uh, for all those who can't listen to that game, feel free to tune in. Sunday night, 7 p.m., we'll give you all the highlights in our local teams and then check out who they're playing next week and maybe even make a few predictions. The postseason continues, and you're tuned in to the right place. Sandusky and City, which is bound to be a good one. It's all right here on Sports Radio 102.1 FM and WLEWsports.com. Stay right there as we, up next, we will host our media roundtable presented by Thompson Chevrolet. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, being powered by Anger Valley Services. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network on Sports Radio 1021, live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. Listen in more ways than ever before. You can now listen to all of our replays in podcast form. Go to WLWSports.com, click on replays, or wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, Doug Cole, and Dan Bank with your call tonight from the coziest booth in the Greater Thumb Conference, Cass City, Michigan. We're 42 minutes away from kicking things off in week number two of the postseason. It is now time for our media roundtable presented by Thompson Chevrolet of Upley. If you're looking for the latest models from Chevrolet, look no further than Thompson Chevrolet. Find new roads. Join me tonight via text message from the Heron County View, the champion of the roundtable. If using the Electoral College, Paul P. Adams, our in-game analyst for WLW Sports, Dave Hansen, the top spotter in Michigan, east of US 127, Dan Banky, and our reigning media roundtable champion and director of sports information, Doug Cole. Through the end of the season, we keep score of our game's predictions. When that time comes, we will deem a media roundtable winner. In our last broadcast, everyone was wrong. Straight up, everyone was wrong. So, by default, I, Clark Ramsey, graciously accepted the victory. So, as a result, Doug Cole still has a two-game lead, and everyone is on the board. Well, I take that back. Everyone but Paul P. Adams. Absolutely. I just wanted to congratulate you on your win. Thank you. You, you Thank you. don't make picks, and you have more <laughs> wins than one of our competitors. Don't use any names. Doug, how you feel? Well, time is uh, running out, fellas. Uh, I know it feels good that I still have a two-game lead. Uh, let's see if I hold on. So how it works, through the end of the season, we keep a score of our game's predictions. When that time comes, we will meet a deem our media roundtable winner. And we keep his final score for tonight's featured game. The winner is deemed by selecting the winning team by having the most accurate point differential. If no one selects the correct winner, then I, Clark Ramsey, much like last week, will graciously accept the victory for the week. Since I won last week, we'll keep the same order as the previous week. So tonight's order is Paul P. Adams leading off, followed by Dan Bengi, Doug Cole, and then Dave Hansen. Let me pull up, turn, uh, hit the key, and lock and unlock Paul's pick here tonight. And here he is. He said his prediction for tonight, for the most part, the recent meetings between Sandusky and Cassidy have been very close. Almost all of them went in the favor of the Red Hawks, though. Paul P. Adams believes the best backfield in the Greater Thumb Conference will allow Sandusky just enough ball control to win the game. If either finds a passing game, that could drastically change the outcome, according to Paul P. Adams. But in the end, what it should be is a ground-in-pound contest. Paul P. Adams going with Sandusky, 20 to Cassidy, 14. So Paul P. Adams in the books with a six-point victory, 20-14 to 14 for the Sandusky Redskins. Dan Bangy, he is on his way here right now, so he texted me his pick. 
And he says, you couldn't ask for two teams more equally matched. Kansas City's a little more bigger, and Sandusky's a little faster. But all in all, they are a mere image of themselves. Although Cassidy has given up a few offensive yards in the last few weeks, the one that stands out to Dan Benke is when we were there to see it firsthand was that USA-Cass City game. USA could run the ball with ease at times. Sandusky runs the same type of offense as USA, and Dan Benke thinks they will be able to move the ball tonight. With all that, Dan Benke is going with Sandusky in a barn burner. He's taking Sandusky 28, Cass City 20. So a eight-point victory for Dan Benke for the Sandusky Redskins, 28-20. to Doug Cole. I really do think this game will come to the last drive. It is uh, going to be a shame that one of these two teams' uh, season's going to end. We saw in the Sandusky Harbor Beach game uh, that Sandusky has some issues in the secondary. Bryce Fornald is 10 for 16 this year. However, he does have four touchdowns. I can see uh, Bryce trying to pick apart uh, the uh, Sandusky uh, secondary, so I have Cass City winning this game 26 to 20. 26 to 26 points in favor of the Red Hawks. Yep. So we have Sandusky and Cass City going for our picks tonight, which leaves Dave Hansen, the state of Nevada. Uh, absolutely. Last but not least, of course. So I'll give you my pick in about know, a week or so. Yeah, that, that works. Be, yeah. That sounds all right. Uh, I absolutely love it. I love it that everyone so far has picked this game to be within a score, and I'm going to give you that early. I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, but I look at two teams that are equally matched. I think run defense is very similar. Uh, I think offensively they're going to try and do the same thing. But there is one outstanding weakness that I see that both of these teams are going to try to expose on the other, and neither team is all that great defending the pass. Uh, Sandusky was highly exposed. I know it was early in the year uh, against Harbor Beach early on, giving up a school record to the Pirates. And on the other side of, this, of things, I think Cass City can throw the football. I have yet to see Sandusky do it with any sort of ability. So unless they are able to find that extra dynamic, I like the home team. I think Cass City is going to win this game, and I like them by one score also. I have the Red Hawks 30, and I have Sandusky 23. 30 to 23, a seven-point victory in favor of the Reds, the Red Hawks for Dave Hansen. So the experts have picked, and we are split right down the middle. Very fitting for this week, in fact. <laughs> it is, and it won't yeah. be two in a row for you. <laughs> no, it will not. I'm, I'm out of the picks, unfortunately. It's Paul P. Adams taking Sandusky by six points, 20 to 14. Dan Benke taking Sandusky by eight points, 28 to 20. Doug Cole taking Cass City 26 to 20, a six-point victory for the Red Hawks. And Dave Hansen taking Cass City 30 to 23, a seven-point victory. Good luck, gentlemen. We'll see how everyone fares out tonight. Let's take a look at other area games going on. We'll start out in eight-player football. Division one. These would be the larger schools of eight-player football. And Merrill and Morris square off tonight in Morris. Morris, the number one seed in this uh, region. Region three is the semifinal. Morris is last year's eight-player Division one champion. Merrill, this is their first year in eight-player football. Defeated Deckerville last week, 66-22. to Great matchup for Morris. Morris uh, is a favorite to go all the way for Division one. And I think Merrill is an awesome test for them early. I like Morris. You, I'd say you're the best until somebody beats you, but Merrill's going to give him a punch's chance tonight. Moving on, Mayville at 7-0, undefeated for the first time in school history to this point. They travel to Adrian tomorrow at 1 p.m., taking on Adrian Lenaway Christian, also 7-0. Great season for the Wildcats. They have been very good, probably better than expected. Unfortunately, I think it ends tonight. Give me Adrian Lenaway Christian. Mayville beat Genesee last week 48-20 in the first week of the postseason. On the other side of Region 4, of course, that goes on into the following weeks and two weeks 
for the state semifinals. We won't worry about that. Yeah, the land of the first names. Martin and Lawrence, I think, are the two yes. teams that I would take in those two games, just good, so you know. Good old Marty and Larry. Moving on to Division Two, eight-player football. Peck at North Huron. To, uh, this game is tomorrow at 1 p.m., so North Huron has seven days for rest from their previous game. So Peck, the four seed. North Huron, the one seed. North Huron beat Peck three weeks ago, 36-6. And North Huron trying to get to the regional final for the second year in a row. I, I like North Huron in this game. I know they're banged up. I know their quarterback is a little iffy. And this is where we really need Paul Adams to give us the inside scoop on that game. But whether he plays or not, I think North Huron is talented enough to beat Peck. They handled him the first time, and I think they can do it again with or without him. In Region 3 semifinal on the other side, Bay City All Saints, the three seed, taking on Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart. The Catholics of Bay City against the Catholics of Mount Pleasant. Played in the last week of the regular season just two weeks ago. Sacred Heart won that one 14-6 in Bay City. This one's in Mount Pleasant. A little closer than I would have imagined, but I still think Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart is just good enough to hold down Bay City. On the other side, Region 4, we have Waldron, Port Saint, Portland St. Patrick. That's a familiar name in Division 2. And then Wyoming Tri-Unity Christian, also uh, d- the defenders against the Magi. How about this one? Wyoming Tri-Unity Christian against Colin. Absolutely, and, you, and don't rule out the Shamrocks, Clark. Portland St. Patrick is probably the best team in that group. Moving on to Division 8 of 11-player football. One game is complete already, unfortunately due to quarantine. The Flint Beecher Bucks advance as they Harbor Beach had to forfeit the game that was supposed to take place tomorrow, Saturday at 1 p.m. Forfeiture due to a proactive quarantine of the Harbor Beach football program. They met two years ago in the regional final. Harbor Beach won that one 35-0. COVID wins this one. You know, before the playoffs started, we weren't really looking much into this game, but Harbor Beach turned a little corner last week. Flint Beecher is a team that likes to spread it out, a little more finesse team. I think Harbor Beach would have matched up really well against them. They'd have been underdogs, but I really think they had a real chance of winning this game. So it's really sad, especially for those seniors, that this is going to be how their last game ends. Aside from the game in front of us tonight, the other most interesting ball game tonight in Division 8. USA at 5-2, taking on Ubley in Ubley, who's also 5-2. They were supposed to open the regular season with this game. Thanks to COVID, the first three weeks were canceled. They met last year in the playoffs. Ubley won that one 30-8. I uh, I would love to be to have two of me and two of you and yes. be in both places calling these games, but this game should be an excellent game. Both teams playing their best football. Uh, rookie quarterback for Ubley, the freshman, has played gradually better every week. Uh, you see Gettle slid into the quarterback role for USA. He has really settled into that role, added a new dynamic to that offense, and we both know these two teams can play defense. So look for this to be a back-and-forth battle, one that we will have a close eye on tonight. And that is the complete district there. Just three teams remain. USA and Ubley, the winner, will play in Flint Beecher. In Division 7, this is the division that Sandusky and Cass City are in. The other side of this bracket in this district, Badax and Hemlock. Badax the one seed at, or excuse me, Hemlock the one seed at 7-0. Badax the four seed at 5-2. This game taking place tomorrow at 1 p.m. They've met twice in history, 1967 and 1968. Hemlock won both of those, 20-19 in 6-7 in favor of Hemlock. Yeah, you remember those games, right? Oh, they were yeah. great ones. Yep. Uh, but I, in this case, Hemlock is loaded. They have a very, very good football team. Badax has had its ups and had its downs. They have too many injuries at too many important places for me to feel good about it. I think the Bad Axe Hatchets had a really good season, but unfortunately it's coming to an end tonight. Dave, you don't remember the Lyndon Johnson administration? Uh, I Just what I read in uh, Mr. Mooney's class. Okay, and of course the winner of Hemlock and Bad Axe will take on the winner of our game here tonight, Sandusky and Cass City, and we have a split vote. 
Very fitting for this week. Paul P. Adams and Dan Banky taking Sandusky. Six and eight points respectively there. Doug Cole and Dave Hansen taking Cassidy. Six and seven points in favor of the Red Hawks. Well, considering that guy over there has got all the wins, I am happy to have picked the same team as him. <laughs> we'll just hope I get lucky with the points. Yeah, what, what side of six and seven do you stand on there? And, of course, the other side of the bracket, well, a lot of blue bloods and a lot of blue chip programs here. Ravenna and Ithaca in New North Muskegon and a little school called Pawama Westphalia. Oh, and... and that game there, both of those two games to me are not very exciting. I think Ithaca and PW oh, yeah. are on a collision course, which in that game next week will be one to tune in and watch. Puamo Westphalia at Ithaca, that would be next week. Yeah, that absolutely. Would be a that would be, game. That's the one I'm talking about. That should be a great game. We are 31 minutes away from kicking off the second week of the postseason. The Sandusky Redskins at 7 0, taking on the 7 0 Cassidy Redhawks in Cassidy. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network, your home for high school football being powered by Anger Valley Services. Up next, we'll take a look at the Sandusky Redskins. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network. Pandemic or not, we are fighting through thick and thin to broadcast for you here from the coziest booth of the Greater Thumb Conference, Cass City, Michigan. Sandusky is on the road with a perfect record in the last eight years. The Sandusky Redskins have had just two losing seasons, none of which have taken place since the last this year's seniors have been in high school. There's a reason for that, mostly in part due to the Redskins head coach, Craig Jacobson, establishing a program from the ground up since he took over in 2013. Tonight is his 77th game as head coach for Sandusky. And you're absolutely right. He took over for uh, former head coach Brian Jones, who coached just the one year, uh, was 4-5 and five record. This team has uh, three conference champions, one district championship, which surprised me when we were talking about that before the game in 2015. The only one in school history that season ended when they went 11 and one with a loss to New Lothrop. Last year, the Sandusky Redskins finished with a six and four record, losing in the first week of the postseason to Cass City, 40 nothing. That squad was young and only had five seniors on its roster. This year, Sandusky returned its quarterback nearly its entire line in its star-studded backfield, including Thumb Sports Writers Association Player of the Year, DeLorean Wedge. They have two extremely good tailbacks that we love talking about, Zach Franzel and DeLorean Wedge. You will see DeLorean Wedge, Wedge typically in the middle of that wing tee. He is the proverbial fullback. He's going to go straight ahead right at you, and if he gets between those tackles, look out because he can move in space. Zach Franzel is the little bit more shifty guy. He is going to attack the edges, off-tackle run, the guy they try to get to the sideline and up the field. But make no boat about it. This guy can run. He will run people over. This is probably the best two tandem running backs that anybody has in our area. And, oh, by the way, just when you least expect it, Martin Tovar is a very capable back that has speed to burn. He will get the least amount of carries out of the three, but a guy that could make it happen with just a few carries. When you look at it, those three running backs have collective 2,800 yards on the season. That's all? That's it. In a shortened season, that's pretty good. Not bad. Commanding that offense would be backup quarterback Lucas Feehan. He took the reins after Matt Carlson went down with an injury midseason. He's been commanding and pushing the T offense forward down the field for the last few games. He completed his first pass last week, a seven-yard flip to none other than Matt Carlson, the former quarterback. 
But the Redskins don't pass much, mostly because they don't need to. They absolutely don't need to, but you get to a point in the season where you meet a team that is an equal or better, and you need to do certain things to make that happen. Passing is one of them. But Lucas Feehan is a senior. He's settled into the role. Uh, Coach Jacobson has liked what he saw out of him, clearly, with Matt Carlson starting to get playing time. There's no talk of him taking over quarterback. Lucas Feehan has taken that job, and he's done a very nice job for this team. It just adds another dynamic. He's got some speed, too. He could play running back or whatever they need him to do. So it adds another element to this offense. Sandusky's defense has two shutouts to their credit in seven games, plus a one-touchdown effort in the first week of the 2020 season against Bad Hacks. Altogether, the Redskins allowed just 14 points a game. That's the sixth best, best defense in the Greater Them Conference. We've seen Sandusky shut down opponents' run games this season, but also they get thrown all over against through the air. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, their two main rivals is Harbor Beach and Ubley. They held Harbor Beach to negative seven yards in the game on 17 carries. But then Ubley ran for 226 and three scores. Uh, but on the passing side, we mentioned it earlier. I'll mention it again. They allowed 357 yards through the air, four touchdowns on 15 of 22 passing, which... I never did look it up, but probably a school record for Harbor Beach. So if that goes to tell you, Cassidy knows this. That's something that they have circled in their playbook. That's going to happen a couple times tonight. Just depends how early. Last week, Sandusky kept St. Charles out of the end zone for 48 minutes en route to a 54-0 victory in the first week of the postseason. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll take a look at the home team, the Cassidy Redhawks. We're 23 minutes away from kicking things off, and it's all right here on the WLW Sports Network, being powered by Agar Valley Services, Sandusky at Cassidy. Listen to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 on Sunday at 7 p.m. Also live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. And now also streaming live on YouTube. Not only can you listen to The Strong Side, but now you can also watch The Strong Side. Sundays at 7 p.m. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams. We've talked about the Sandusky Redskins. Let's talk about the home team for tonight's matchup. In the second week of the postseason, the Cass City Redhawks. The Redhawks are coming off of a banner here. Finally, after years of knocking on the door, the Red Hawk Nation was able to secure their first district title in school history in 2019, as well as their first regional championship on a way to a state semifinal appearance. At the helm for 18 years altogether would be future Hall of Fame coach Scott Cuthrell. Coach Cuthrell is 103-75, and 75, a 57% winning percentage. He was the coach from 01 to 08, a couple-year break, and then back in 2011 till now. Uh, again, you, you mentioned it earlier, they... They just got that district title they're waiting for. They are Greater Thumb West champs in 2018, 19, and 20 now, three years running, and they lost in the district final six times in school history, 04-05, 14, and 15, and 17, and 18. Cassidy lost a slew of talent to graduation after last year's semifinal run, but the Red Hawks have reloaded and are ready for another deep postseason rally. Having to replace four-year starting quarterback Sandon Cuthrell, head coach Scott Cuthrell, his father turned to his senior, ready to task would be Bryce Fernald. And if you remember in the second half of last season, Bryce Fernald became the quarterback of this team. You're right. Uh, and the big reason for that is not because Sandon wasn't good enough. Sandon was probably the best athlete on the field, probably for either team when he was playing. 
but they found different ways of utilizing Sandin in the game. They made him their primary running back. They would throw the ball to him, and Bryce Fernald was the guy that could handle the offense and get the ball to all the other players in space. And I think the play worked out well because they made a nice run last year, and now Bryce Fernald has quite a bit of experience coming into this season. Cassidy, having only passed the ball 16 times in seven games, the Cassidy stable of running backs is full of talent ready for their shot at Churchill Downs. With what seems like they have every type of running style available, the Red Hawks have rushed for a total of 2,440 yards of offense and 35 touchdowns in just seven games, an average of 348 yards per game rushing the ball. And all three primary running backs average over seven yards per carry, led by senior Alex Perry. Uh, he has 97 carries, 720 yards, and 11 of those touchdowns on the year. He is the leading running back on this team, but they're so very equally distributed. Jordan Mester has 500 yards, and Noah Zaleski has 435 yards. Zaleski a senior, Mester a junior. Again, both average, all three, seven yards per carry. Equal distribution. They may not have the individual outstanding athletes that Sandusky has in their backfield, but these three are all very high-quality backs, and any one of them can beat you on any given night. One word to describe them, solid. Absolutely. Solid, flawless. These guys are just awesome players you like to have on both sides of the ball. The Red Hawks can pass when they want to, but so far in the season they really haven't needed to. A total of 10 receptions for 211 yards and four touchdowns have been accrued for Cassidy in 2020 including one which gave them the lead in their closest game of the year against USA. Yeah, that was a phenomenal finish in that game. Alex Perry in that game had two catches for 57 yards and a touchdown, and Matt Mahalik caught a 16-yard pass. And those are the plays that are going to be the difference maker in this game. When you line up two teams that want to do the same thing and are very good at them, it's going to which team can fool the other team enough to get them on their heels. That is an important stat tonight for the home team. On defense, Cassidy is at the top of the list for the entire Gray Earth Conference. The Maroon and White, or Gray, are allowing just seven and a half points per game and have five games in which they did not allow a touchdown. Absolutely. A couple of those shutouts were Vassar, Harbor Beach, Caro, and Marlette. Uh, their first three weeks of the season, they allowed, where's your bell, just a field goal. Ding. They allowed three points to Reese and have allowed 26 points last week, though, which was a season high. We are just now 15 minutes away from kicking off the second week of the postseason. The winner of tonight goes on to the district final to take on the winner of Hemlock in Bad Axe. That game taking place tomorrow. Keep it locked on your home for high school football. Up next, we'll take a look at a direct comparison between the Red Hawks and the Redskins right here on the WLW Sports Network being powered by Anchor Valley Services. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, Doug Cole, and Rochelle Ramsey. Not here, but Dan Banky is instead. As the crow flies, 22 miles separates Sandusky and Cassidy High Schools for tonight's matchup. For those who made the journey to tonight's game, they made a 35-minute journey from Sandusky to North Cemetery Road in Cassidy, almost exclusively on state highways M46 to M53 to M81 and north of the light. In regards to school size, there are just a difference in 10 students between Sandusky and Cassidy High Schools. 281 students for Cassidy. That's the seventh smallest in the Greyhound Conference. 291 for Sandusky, the fourth largest. So it's Sandusky by 10 students. 
Tonight is the 47th time that Sandusky and Cassidy have played each other in football, with the last three times all being in the playoffs. The very first time the Red Hawks and Redskins played, Harry Truman was still president in 1952. Cassidy won that game 12-7, and they lead the overall series 28-17 over Sandusky with one tie taking place in 1963. In front of us tonight, we have the two best offenses in all of the Greater Thumb Conference. Cassidy at number one, averaging 43.4 per game. Sandusky at number two, averaging 43.0. So on offense, it's Cassidy by four-tenths of a point. Defensively, in 2020, Cassidy has the best average through seven games, allowing just seven and a half points per contest. Sandusky is in the middle of the pack at number six, with a defensive average of 14 points. So defensively, it's Cassidy by six and a half points. Las Vegas has set their line for the game. They're confident in that line, unless it's wrong. Our colleagues at the Ohio State University and Nevada Election Commission Sports Wagering Department set after factoring in all possibilities. Stats, injuries, weather, and location. The spread for tonight's game sits at Cassidy. Nine and a half points. That's surprising. Tonight is the 311th day of the year, meaning there are just 55 days until this godforsaken year is done and over with. If 2021 is anything like 2020 has turned out to be, it might be time to stock the seller with as many non-perishable items as possible. Which, Dave, that leads me to this week's trivia question, with the topic being potatoes. We've been sticking to the commodities this year. Might as well keep on rolling with it. Yeah, let's have it. Let's see what you got with potatoes. Well, th- there's a big backstory here. So we had a, in the Rotary program on Monday, we actually had the one of the uh, higher-ups of the Michigan Potato Commission speak with us. And so we have a, a, just a myriad of potato facts for you. So I hope you're ready. The state of Michigan produces over 34 million pounds of potatoes in a year, which puts the state at number six in the national rankings behind Idaho, Washington, Wisconsin, North Dakota, and so forth. But there's one potato category that Michigan holds the top spot. My question to you, Dave, what potato product does Michigan produce more than than any other state in the United States? What potato product are we looking for? What potato product? Uh, comes down to two things pop in my mind, and that's the only way I can answer these questions. Because okay. uh, I'd be here a long time if you let me think about it. Uh, the first two options that come to mind would be potato chips and french fries would be the first two options that come to mind. Uh, obviously, two favorites, of course. So I will flip a coin and go with, uh, let's go with the potato chips. Ah, you're correct. One for one so far tonight. Potato chips is indeed the answer. And here's what's crazy. One in every four bags of potato chips in all of America. One in every four bags of potato chips contain Michigan potatoes. In fact, of the state's entire potato crop, over 70% of it is dedicated to potato chips. 20% is for fresh potatoes like you'd buy in the store, 5% for seeds, and the other 5% fresh processed products such as potato salad. Not for me, though. A large reason for Michigan's potato chip majority is because most of the ideal potatoes for potato chips are smaller in size, while the larger potatoes are ideal for french fries, and those are processed out west such as Idaho. Also, nearly all potato chip breeds are developed by Michigan State University. There you go. There are four potato chip processors in the state of Michigan, Dave. Name all four of them. Four of them? <laughs> oh, my. I'm you could have given me multiple choice. Like, hey, choose out of these eight. I probably I th- still would have got it. I thought about it, but I said, no, name all four potato processors in the Th- state of Michigan. That, that's fine, because I'm going to surprise you with uh, one for sure, probably two. I was going to say, I think you know a few of these. I, uh, I, I'm quite certain that Better Made is located that in That is correct. Ring the bell once. Correct. And I, uh, I see these in party stores once in a while, but I think it's 
Uncle Ray's ah, is another potato you're, chip. You're, you're batting a thousand so far here tonight, Dave. But that's where I run out because okay. now I, I I I would throw like Lay's at you, but I don't think that's right. That is that that your your good intuition there. The other two would be Downey's chips and Great Lakes. You might think mm. recognize Great Lakes as the kettle cooked chips ah, with a okay. lighthouse on it. Yes, I definitely was not getting Downey's. Yes, so Downey's chips, Uncle Ray's, Great Lakes, and Better Made. Better Made being the largest, they receive over two hundred thousand pounds of potatoes every single day. That's a lot of potatoes. All right. As the Cassidy Redhawks come onto the field right now, our final trivia question, then we'll be back to football. Just 80 farms grow potatoes in Michigan, combining for a total of 48,000 acres across 40 counties in Michigan. Dave, from our current location right now at Cassidy Field, where would you find the nearest potato farm? I, I don't have a clue. I, Embrace I would, your inner Gerald Hansen here. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if either of them would know this answer. Well, I shouldn't underestimate them. I would say, uh, how about uh, Essexville? Well, yeah, good guess. However, you don't need to travel that far. We're exactly three miles northwest of the field here right now. Really, Walther Farms. And not only is it a potato, a potato farm, it's the potato farm. They have locations in all over the United States. Walther Farms, as far north as Newberry in the UP, and as far south as Perizal, Texas, amounting to a total of 13,000 acres processed by Walther Farms, just north here. And speaking of starches, what are your three game, three keys to tonight's game? Uh, well, let's start with the most obvious one, pass defense. It's been Sandusky's Achilles heel on defense all year long. Will they show up, and will they have to perform tonight? Will Cass City try to expose it? Point number one is that pass defense of Sandusky. On the second side, we're going to see a run-heavy offense on both sides of the ball. Who makes more stops? Which defense can get off the field? It's going to be a very important factor. And the last one, this game might come down to the last possession. Whoever has the football last might win this football game. And now we tune in to our PA announcer here at Kansas City Field, a beautiful field, beautiful complex. The band is on the field. It's a beautiful sight. Stands are semi-full. Let's listen in to our national anthem. to see the band on the field. Always a strong program here from Cassidy. Strong lead trumpet too, I must say. Current conditions in Cassidy, Michigan are 60 degrees with clear skies. They're calling for a 0% chance of rain this evening. Winds are the south, southwest at 6 miles per hour, gusting up to 12. Visibility at 10 miles. 
Barometric pressure is rising at 30.11 inches, and the dew point is at 47 degrees. It feels like it's 60 degrees out tonight. The humidity is at 64%. Sunset was an eternity ago at 515, and we're currently in a waning gibbous moon phase. So I think it's safe to say it's a beautiful night for football and perhaps the most beautiful playoff football game we have had, Dave, in 10 years. Oh, by far, I don't think there's anything that matches, especially for a playoff game. It doesn't get any nicer than this. Sandusky won the toss, elected to defer to start this ball game. Your officials tonight, thanks in part to our spotter, Dan Banky, for tracking these down. Your referee is Chris Shoemate from Reese. Your umpire, Tim Walter from Millington. Headlinesman also from Millington, Marty Snover. Line judge, Mark Brown from Vassar. As when your back judge, Mark Dow from Vassar as well. Let's go through your starting lineups for both squads. Let's see, Sandusky won the toss, elected to defer, so Cassidy will be on offense to start the ball game. At quarterback, senior quarterback, Bryce Fernald, a 6-foot, 185-pound senior. In the backfield on the T formation, the fullback would be Jordan Mester in the middle, 5'10", 170-pound junior. To his left would be Alex Perry, a 6-foot, 205-pound senior at halfback. On the other side, on the other flank, on the right side, number 33, Noah Zelensky, a Zaleski, excuse me, a 5'11", 210-pound senior at halfback. At center, number 51, Cameron Cake, a senior, 5'10", 180 pounds. At left guard, Ryan DeLong, a senior, 6'205 pounds. Left tackle, Ethan Campo, a sophomore. At number 71, 66'1", 215-pound sophomore, in fact. And your tight end on the left side, 5'10", 185 pounds, senior, number 27, Matt Mahalik. On the right side of the line, number 60, Jeremy Velasquez, a junior. Right guard, you also hear his name all over this Cassidy defense. He's six foot, 190 pound junior. On the right tackle, six foot three, 225 pound junior. Number 70, Connor Herford. He is a beast out there. And your tight end on that side, on the right side, would be number 89, a six foot, 190 pound senior. Number 89, Jacob Shantz. For the Sandusky defense, you've got a front four, depending on their defense, of course, and who their opponent is, that defense changes. But if on a front four, a 4 3 defense, your defensive ends would be Jacob Sanderson and Caden Blaschel, six foot, two hundred forty pound senior. Caden Blaschel, Sanderson, a six foot, two hundred five pound senior as well. Defensive tackles Micah Brown and Mitchell Davis, a senior and a sophomore, both over six feet. Outside linebackers Casey Kirkpatrick, Zach Franzel. In the middle linebacker Brendan Duff, a six foot, two hundred pound senior. In the secondary cornerbacks Lucas Feehan, also the quarterback Martin Tovar, and your safeties. Brady Franzel, who also steps up as linebacker every so often in your free safety, free safety would be DeLoren Wedge, senior. Kicking things off for the Sandusky Redskins would be right to left across your radio tonight in the man who does it all, Zach Franzel, number 25. Yeah, look at those starting lineups. There's two things that I really want to point out, and that's Sandusky's defense, DeLorean Wedge. Uh, they call him a free safety for a very important reason, as you will wonder if he doesn't play linebacker. He's going to spend a ton of time up on that line of scrimmage helping to cut down the running game. And for Cass City's offense, I want to mention a couple important players, Matt Mahalik and Jacob Schantz, those tight ends, because if we're going to see any play action, it's probably going to come from Cass City, and they're probably going to target those big tight ends on the outside. Deep back for the Cass City Red Hawks. On the left side of your radio would be number 44, Alex Perry, as well as Bryce Fernald and Noah Zaleski. 
Brazel's kick comes in at the 28-yard line to stand us. Your Cassidy has to go back to the 20-yard line. Alex Perry gets it there, and the white jerseys swarm to the ball to bring Alex Perry down for absolutely no gain on the play. Sandusky's number 26, DeLoren Wedge on special teams with the stop. First and 10 for Cassidy at their own. They're going to mark him down at the 22-yard line. Well, it's going to start early. Bryce Fernald is the guy that it gets kicked at, and I, I assume he doesn't play shortstop for the baseball team because <laughs> he allowed that ball to bounce in front of him, and when it did that, it bounced right over his head, straight up in the air, and it was all Alex Perry could do was grab the football just to preserve this first possession of the game. Coming out in the T formation, Bryce Fernald under center, three-man backfield, Alex Perry, Jordan Mester, Noah Zaleski. Sandusky crying the backs, crying the box, and it's a handoff to Alex Perry. He tries to go off tackle on the right side. He gets absolutely nowhere. Maybe pushes out for a yard out to the 23-yard line. Tackle made by number 45, Brendan Duff, middle linebacker for Sandusky. Second down, and they're going to say eight after a two-yard game. Won't be the last time you hear Brendan Duff's name called tonight. He will be in on a ton of tackles as that mid middle linebacker position for the Redskin defense. But Alex Perry, he's on the left side, coming around the right side and finds no running room there as he runs into that big defensive line of uh, Sandusky. Left to right across your radio, and we have our first flag of the night, and this will be a false start, so it is disco night early in Cass City as the entire front line of Cass City jumped on the cadence, and this will push them back five yards. So instead of a second and eight, this will be a second and 13. And Dave... Cassidy now has 11, 11 penalties less than Lakers last week. Absolutely, but that's not a good – we're not on a no, good pace getting no, one not. on the second play of the game, but that's probably the best stat of the night. Did you get that from Doug Cole? I, that's, <laughs> that's not usually in his uh, arsenal, but that was a good one. Alex Perry leads his team with 857 yards and 97 carries for Cassidy. It's Bryce for or the handoff to the quarterback keeper. Bryce Fernald coming around the right side, gets back to the original line of scrimmage at the 22, and he's tracked down by middle linebacker and actually outside linebacker Zach Franzel all over the field there. They mark him down at the 22. It's going to be back to a third down and eight once again. And that's where Sandusky surprises us every week when they, they struggle to defend the pass because they have such good athletes covering the middle of the field and DeLorean Wedge and Zach Franzel and Brennan Duff. These are some guys you'd love to have on any team. They start on most teams in the area, and, but they are they specialize in reading run gaps, filling those holes, and not allowing big runs. And on third down and nine, uh, this is a big play to start this game. Working off the right hash, a handoff to number three. That would be Jordan Messer. Goes right into the teeth of that Sandusky defense and brought down by DeLorean Wedge on the semi-blitz there from the secondary for Sandusky. It will be a six-yard gain, but sets up a third down in four, or fourth down in four, excuse me, at their own 28-yard line. And you see Josh Steely check into the game. He's the long snapper for this team. So that tells me that Cass City, a quick three and out, but uh, those penalties hurt those teams that want to run the wing tee. Deep back four. The Sandusky Redskins at his own 40-yard line would be number 25 and 26. The punt is tipped, and it's brought in by Brennan Duff, and the ball is loose on the field. It's at that 31-yard line, very close to that first down marker. The punt was tipped on the way out, and they're going to say it's brought in by middle linebacker Brendan Duff as it actually hit the helmet on the release. And so Sandusky will start out on the plus side of the field at the Cass City 31-yard line. Not the start Cassidy was looking for, but a great start for the Sandusky Redskins. No, but Sandusky almost made a huge mistake. That ball hits the offensive lineman's helmet, goes straight up in the air, and 
you see guys like Brennan Duff go up for the football, get out of the way, let that thing die. The ball is, you already have great field position. Brennan Duff goes up for the ball, misses it. Now it's a live ball. Cass City easily could have recovered that football, but instead Brennan Duff secures it, and now awesome field position for Sandusky. From the 31-yard line in Cassie's territory, right to left cross your radio, Lucas Feehan, quarterback under center, a fumble on the play. Feehan has, has to jump on it, but his knee was down when he grabbed it. So it'll be down at the original line of scrimmage, or maybe even a yard back of the 32-yard line. Second down and 10 and a half. That nerves, Clark. That is nerves. Your first snap in the playoffs. A play, big playoff game. Last week doesn't really count as they absolutely handed it to St. Charles last week. Uh, didn't matter what happened. This game, every mistake is going to be enhanced, and you get great field position thanks to your special teams. And in that case, though, he does a good job recovering the football. But now it's second down and long. Second down, 11 from the 32 of Gas City. Lucas Feehan under center. Three men backfield behind him. Zach Franzel, Lauren Wedge, Martin Tovar. It's a handoff to number 26, Lauren Wedge, right up the gut. Fullback dive across the 30, brought down to the 29-yard line. Tackle made by Connor Herford. He's that 6'3", 225-pound junior for Cassidy's front line. And Jeremy Velazquez not far away either. Another big senior. You're going to hear his name called early and often for that Red Hawk defense. They do a good job of not allowing DeLorean Wedge to hit that second level. That's what he tries to do is sneak past that defensive line. And if that middle linebacker isn't there guarding him, DeLorean Wedge will absolutely win that foot race every time. Corey Lamson, starting sophomore center for Sandusky, leads the team up to the line, sending a receiver wide each way. Two men in the backfield. Feehan under center. Cassidy adjusts. Back to pass. Feehan throws and it's through the hands of DeLoren Wedge. Excuse me, though. That would be number 20. That'd be Martin, Martin Tovar, Tovar in the flats on the far sideline. Incomplete. A little too much mustard on that one. Falls incomplete and sets up a fourth down and eight from the 30. So in man-to-man coverage, Cassidy is giving eight to ten yards of cushion. They, they are allowing that they're not putting any resistance on the receiver. We'll put it that way. And uh, Lucas Feehan, happy feet. He gets the ball, and he qu- he knows where he's going with it. But he throws it so fast, and he throws it so quickly that his receiver turns out of his route, and it's just an out route. It's, it's five yards and out to the sideline. The ball is released too quickly, and he isn't able to locate that football. Too much heat on it, like you said, Clark. Falls incomplete. Now you have fourth and eight, and they're going to go for it. From the 30-yard line of Cassidy, same exact play, and this one is caught. It looks like they brought him down a yard short of the line of scrimmage. The pass was caught by number two. That would be Matt Carlson, the tight end. And it's a gain of seven, but they needed eight on it. Tackle made, tackle made by number three, Jordan Mester for Cassidy. And that's going to be a turnover on downs. And Cassidy holds strong, a three and out, a four and out for Sandusky. I love what Coach Jacobson did there. He absolutely challenged this, this defensive secondary for Cassidy immediately. And if the first pass would have been hit, I think they get a first down. They hit the second one for seven and a half. But if you're the safety for Cassidy, and that was Jordan Mester on that play, he did an excellent job because as soon as that quarterback looked right, he broke to the only receiver in that area, and he makes that secure hit to make sure that ball was about a foot short of the first down mark. Working from their own 23-yard line is a handoff to 33. Noah Zaleski, he can burst out like a cannon, has the first down across the 30, and finally brought down at the 35. 
And for a huge gain, that would be a gain of 12. Tackle made by number two, Matt Carlson. Matt Carlson plays in the defensive back, so that's all you need to know about how far that play went. But Noah Zaleski just explodes through down that left side of the line into the secondary before you know it, and Matt Carlson making a touchdown-saving tackle. But that's our first real big play of the game. Both defenses making huge stands on their first two series, and now Cass City with a little momentum on their side. And their first first down tonight. It's a handoff to Alex Perry coming around the right end, lowers the shoulder, and he's upended at the 37-yard line after a two-yard gain. Tackle made by Sandusky's Martin Tovar out of the secondary 5'10", 170-pound junior. If you're going to attack the outside of either of these defenses, you're going to have to do them with quick plays. Those sweeps where you wait uh, Le'Veon Bell style and wait for your lineman to create that hole, it's not going to happen. And Alex Perry realized that and did what he had to do. He put his head down and tried to power through a guy. He's able to get two yards, but that play was looked like it had big gain written all over it, but that middle linebacking core of Sandusky cuts it down quickly. Wing T to the right to hand off to number three right up the gut, and Jordan Mester gets absolutely nowhere, maybe out to the 38-yard line if the officials are feeling generous. Tackle made by Sandusky's Caden Blaschel, defensive end, six foot, 240-pound senior. Third down and seven. Nice play there by Blaschel. Absolutely gets off that block, stuffs the hole, and leads a charge to push Mester back in the backfield for virtually no gain. They might give him one, like you said, if he's fortunate, but that's still third down and roughly seven yards to go for Cass City. Third down, seven from their own 38-yard line, splitting receivers each way. Two men backfield, Fernald under center. They need to get out to the 45-and-a-foot-yard line. Looking to pass, Fernald throws it downfield. This one's a wing duck, but it's caught by, brought in by Matt Maholik. He is very on a second effort, swings across the 45 and gets across the first down marker by about a half a yard and move the chains for Cass City for the second time tonight. Tackle made by Brendan Duff, middle linebacker for the Redskins. Move the chains. Ah, that was a fortunate play there for Cass City as they throw the football. It's actually tipped at the line of scrimmage, but it just barely tipped the ball fluttered ahead far enough where Mahalik is able to make the catch, but it's all Matt Mahalik after that as he drags Matt Carlson the extra three yards and is able to get that ball across the first down marker for our first first down of the game. They mark him down to the 46-yard line, working off that left hash, left right across the radio. Back to the tee, hand off to Mester right up the gut and gets nowhere. Still at that 46-yard line, two-man tackled by Sandusky. That would be Brady Franzel as well as Brendan Duff. Sets, sets up a second down in 10 from the 46. And Mitchell Davis, a sophomore, in on that play as well. Comes up a little limp, but looks like he'll be okay. But they have stopped that run initially. If you're going to run in between the tackles, you can ask a couple other teams. We've covered Harbor Beach when they played Sandusky. We've seen a couple other teams. You cannot attack the middle of this defense. Cass City will be persistent and continue to try, but you're going to have to work off of that. Try to get around the outside if you're going to get some big plays. Right of the 46 still. Bryce Fernald under center, three-man backfield, now a man in motion to the near sideline. It's a pitch out to Alex Perry, and Sandusky brings him down to the backfield. Brady Franz will sniff that one out and brings him down for a three-yard loss. Back to the 43-yard line, and Sandusky's defense holds strong and now sets up a third down in 13 for Cassidy. We have a 0-0 ball game, 4.45 left in the first quarter. Jordan Mester goes in motion. He goes from the left side backer all the way to the right side tight end position. And if you're Sandusky, it's hand written gift which way that play is going and you can see all the defensive backs lean a little bit to their left and Brady Franzel leads the charge unblocked just too many white jerseys there and Alex Perry goes down in the backfield with nowhere to go. Four minutes and change here in the first quarter 0-0 this is Cassidy's second drive of the night 
Two first downs as a handoff to Noah Zaleski. He heads right into the middle of a rugby scrum. No gain in the play. Still in that 43-yard line. Tried to go left guard. Tackle made by Sandusky's 58. That'd be Mitchell Davis, defensive tackle, starting six foot, 215-pound sophomore. Yeah, that was just a uh, get a couple yards and let's punt it, play a little field position battle. This is not a defense that you want to be in second down and long, or even worse, third down and long, because their pass rushers are very good. That will be the way that Sandusky's able to defend the pass tonight, is if those front four are able to put pressure on a quarterback. The punt is away this time cleanly. It's a line drive, comes in at the 20-yard line. They do a little bit of a rainbow starburst, and it's a flag flies as number 20 comes to the near sideline. Martin Tovar stepped out of bounds at the 31, the right of the 30-yard line. So that will be where the, the current spot of the start of this drive is for Sandusky. However, this is either going to be a block in the back, and that looks like the initial signal is here, a block in the back against Sandusky. So this will push him back deeper onto their own field. Yeah, I and mean, that's that's going to be the junior. Brady Franzel is going to be your guilty party. Number eight here trying to trying to block those special teamers of Cass City getting down the field, and he did it illegally, and after a pretty good punt and very little return, it's going to cost Sandusky 10 more yards. So they will start this drive inside of their own 15-yard line. They mark the ball down at the 13-yard line as we all adjust here in the booth. 3.34 left in the first quarter, 0-0. We're already in our fourth drive tonight. Cassidy's had two. Sandusky now starting their second drive. First and 10 from the 13, right to left across your radio in the road, black pants, white uniforms, black helmets with the Sandusky logo and emblem on either side. Coming out in the T formation for Sandusky, Lucas Feehan under center. Cassidy crowding the box, handoff to number 25. That would be Zach Franzel, dives across the line of scrimmage and across that front trench, across the 15, all the way out to the 16-yard line. Tackle made by Cassidy's Ryan DeLong, defensive tackle for a senior. Cassidy does a good job. Zach Franzel is a guy that his anticipation is to bounce it outside. He wants to hit that home run, and he saw nothing there, took what was given to him, cuts into the defense, and gets three tough yards. He cut off that route early. It's supposed to go around the edge, but if these defenses do their job and take that away, you're going to see a lot more of him cutting into the middle of the field and taking what is given to him. Feehan under center, three-man backfield. It's a handoff. Actually, quarterback keeper around the right end. He's going to the near sideline, has the first down. Flag flies way behind the play as Feehan is brought down and pushed out of bounds at the 28-yard line, pushed out of bounds by Bryce Fernald. And this is going to be a penalty against the Redskins, so that negates that first down run from Feehan around the outside. Around the outside, 249 left here in the first quarter, 0-0. And that play right there is why Matt Carlson hasn't got his job back. Lucas Feehan has some explosiveness, he has some speed, and he got to that sideline rather quickly, a 12-yard gain, unfortunately negated by penalty. That is a hold against the Redskins from the spot of the foul, which is at the 18-yard line, so this pushes them back. They're going to save actually from the 19 back to the 9-yard line. So it's now second down and 14 to go for the Redskins deep in their own territory. Second down, 14. Score update for you. Same score here as it is in Ubley. Nothing, nothing. USA what a surprise Ubley. over there. Tough defensive battles on both sides of the M53 here. There, there may not be 20 score, points scored between <laughs> all four of these teams tonight. Well, we're talking about the Harry Truman uh, administration before it feels like it's a big 10 conference in harry truman's time it's a handoff right of the middle and there's a jersey somewhere in the middle there that'd be number 25 zach franzel in the bottom of the pile he pushes out for maybe two yards a hard fought two yards actually number 26 that was 
Delorn Wedge on the fullback dive, gets out for two yards. Third down and 12 now for the Redskins, still deep in their own territory at their own 13-yard line. So far, what we've seen is both teams mirror each other. We get a penalty. You can already see the white flag is raised. We're going to run it twice up the middle and punt and hope our defense will make yet another stop, and that's certainly what it feels like here as we're under two minutes to go in the first quarter. Still no score. Clock rolling under minute 45 now. Feehan under center working off that right hash. Right to left cross your radio. Tovar gets the handoff. He's trying to come down to the flats here on the near sideline, and Cassidy tracks him down at the 12-yard line for no gain in play. Tackle made by Sandusky's number 20. That would be Dustin Nagley for the Red Hawks. Fourth down and 11. Dustin Nagley leading the charge for Cass City's defense, and they, they don't allow Tovar much more than a yard or two. And uh, this is tough, tough field position for Sandusky. They, they get a stop. A penalty starts this drive back. Another penalty pushes them even further back. So the best offense for Cass City has been letting Sandusky have the ball and get penalties. That's, the, that's our biggest yardage gainer of the night. So now the Sandusky special teams unit is going to come on with their punter punting out of their own end zone. That'd be Zach Franzel staying one yard inside of the end zone. Less than a minute to play here in the first quarter. Deep back would be Bryce Fernald away in the punt from Franzel, and it's off the side of the foot and goes out of bounds well inside of the 40-yard line. And they're going to mark him down right at about the 32. Now they're still continuing to walk inside right at the 30-yard line. So an 18-yard punt from Zach Franzel sets up a beautiful field for the Cassidy Redhawks. 48 seconds left in the first quarter. First and 10 on the plus side of the field at the Sandusky 30-yard line. Dan, that's why if uh, we're in a four-man scramble, Clark would hit first. Yes, indeed. So when that ball shanks out of bounds, we have a couple other guys we can use one of their drives instead. The best thing that can happen in my golf game is I turn 65 and I can move up to those white tees. I, I will say if you have a case of the laterals, it don't matter how close you are to the hole. <laughs> Working off the right hash, a T formation, straight no chaser there. 48.7 seconds left in the first quarter. Handoff to number 33, Noah Zaleski. Sandusky swarms to the ball and pushes him back. Forward progress had him stopped at the 30-yard line. Clock continues to roll. Tackle made by middle linebacker Brendan Duff for Sandusky. Just nothing in between the tackles, guys. Uh, Noah Zaleski kind of got around the outside once, but that was the exact same play, and Sandusky makes the adjustment quickly and allows virtually no gain on that play. So we've seen defenses try to sweep it outside, lose yardage. We've seen them attack these defensive tackles and have had no luck either. It's just it's a complete field position battle. Which team can draw play action or reverse or something to break out of one of these defenses play action for Nolov looking downfield to throw now he goes to the far sideline this one's nearly intercepted as Sandusky's uh, number two Matt Carlson jumped out of his coverage and went for that one it falls incomplete hits the ground safely for Cass City now sets up a third down in 10. The, the intended receiver there looked like Lance Swiderski, uh, the tight end, the junior. Doesn't get targeted much, and you can see because he tried to let that ball come to him. There's two mistakes on the play. The quarterback puts way too much air under it. He has an open receiver, but he allowed Matt Carlson to come flying and catch up to that ball and make a play on the ball, and that's point number two. Matt Carlson goes up and gets the ball. You don't see Swiderski go up and get it, and uh, that's going to cause an incompletion, but that is 
a big stop on second down for Sandusky. We questioned their pass defense. Matt Carlson has answered the first bell. Three and a half seconds left in the first quarter. Noah Zaleski in motion to the far sideline. Two men backfield. Carlson, actually Matt Carlson, that would be Bryce Fernald on the keeper. And he pushes out across to the 25-yard line. Stop made by middle linebacker Brendan Duff. And we've met the end of the first quarter with a 0-0 tie between Sandusky and Cassidy after 12 minutes of play. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network, your home for high school football. Fourth down and five for the Cassidy Red Hawks at the Sandusky 25-yard line. Twelve minutes are on the clock. Start of the second quarter. This is Cassidy's third offensive drive tonight. A total of two first downs for the Red Hawks. No first downs for Sandusky. Cassidy sending the receiver wide each way. A little bit of confusion here. Cathrell's calling the shots, and now they're back to a T formation. Now, I mean, this is confusing for the defense, let alone for the offense. Fourth and five. Two men backfield. Bryce Fernald on the keeper. Tries to cut up field, and he is stopped at the original line of scrimmage by Brady Franzel as well as Zach Franzel. The Franzel boy is in there on the stop for no gain. And a turnover on downs for the Kansas City Red Hawks gives the ball back to Kansas City Sandusky. There's one group of people that was not fooled. That was the 11 white jerseys on defense because all the moving around of wide receivers trying to get him in position did not matter. It was uh, it was a designed run play by the quarterback, and uh, they were not fooled. Middle linebacker did not miss him. Very little gain and a turnover of downs as the Sandusky offense takes over at their own 25-yard line. 11.54 before the half is over. Sandusky back on offense. From the 25 in their in their own territory, left to right across the radio, white jerseys working off that right hash, and we have movement, and this will be a false start against the Sandusky Redskins. Looks like it was the left guard there, Ryan, or excuse me, uh, Casey Kirkpatrick on the quick jump there. So Disco Knight against Sandusky this time, pushes them back five yards, so instead of a first and 10, a first and 15, this time from their own 20-yard line. Very surprising mistakes early by both teams. A, a, a punt by a veteran punter kicking it into the back of your own teammate's helmet. And then you've seen a holding penalty, a block in the back, and a false start. The false start especially is a, a couple of those have happened right tonight. Some very uncharacteristic mistakes by these teams, but it's been even so far. No one's been able to take advantage of it. Working from that right hash once again. Feehan hands it off to Martin Tovar. Has a little room to run, at least as in comparison to the first quarter. He gets out for about five yards, maybe out to the 26-yard line before Ford Progress is stopped by Cass City's Kyle Jordan, starting quarterback, cornerback, 5'11", 180-pound senior. It's a lot, a lot of misdirection there, trying to throw off this running defense of Cass City, and you, you see your best backs in Franzel and, and Wedge all go to the right. And at delayed to the left is Martin Tovar. He waits for both fakes, takes it around the left side, and he does find a little opening until it's shut down by the secondary of Cass City. In the backfield, Franzel, Wedge, and Tovar. Feehan under center. Corey Lampson center, sophomore. Second down and 10. Handoff to quarterback keeper Lucas Feehan around the far side on the nearest far sideline in Cass City. Brings him. He's still on his feet on a second effort. Looks like maybe a fumble on the end of that play as the fumble went all the way to the far sideline at the 33-yard line. Sandusky recovers. Number 25, Zach Franzel, as well as number 70 for Cass City, Connor Herford, forces that fumble on the tackle. And really no forward progress on that fumble, third down and three. Zach Franzel is the one who recovered, recovered the, the football. There we go. 
for Sandusky, and you're right. It was, an, it was a perfect hit. Helmet right into the lap of Feehan. The ball squirts out but goes straight sideways toward the Sandusky sideline, and Franzel's able to recover to keep the possession at third down and two. Third down and two from the 33-yard line in their own territory. Feehan hands it off to Franzel. He's upended at the 35-yard line, and forward progress pushes him out to the 36-yard line. And that will be Sandusky's first first down of the night. Cassidy stopped making by. That would be Ryan DeLong. First and 10, Sandusky. Seven-man front there, and they still got enough to get three <laughs> yards and get that first down. And that, but that should not matter. If your offensive line does what they're supposed to do, they should get a couple yards, knowing the snap count and knowing which way the play is going. But I do have a score update for you. What the you ugly Bearcats strike first. Uh, a Peruski 10-yard touchdown run. The two-point conversion is good. And Ubley leads 8-0 in the second quarter. 8-0 Ubley over USA in Ubley in that second quarter. First and 10 for Sandusky, their first first set of downs for the Redskins tonight. 9.45 before the half is over. 0-0 ball game. Feehan surveying the prairie of Cassidy's defense. Turns, hands it off immediately to DeLorean Wedge. She gets out across the 40 and finally tripped down to the 41-yard line for a five-yard gain. Out of the bottom of the pile for the Cassidy Redhawks, that'll be Dustin Nagley, outside linebacker, six foot, 185-pound senior. Even when there's not a lot there, DeLorean Wedge just has that burst. He has that extra gear, and just he just kind of disappears between those defensive linemen. And next thing you know, he's got four or five yards. He's a guy that's going to have to continue to do that tonight if Sandusky wants to move the chains. Second down, five, nine, ten left in the first half. 0-0. Sandusky now at their own 41-yard line, still hugging that left hash. Feehan with seven men in front of him. In a T formation, three men in the backfield. Cassidy showing blitz. Now they retreat and hand off to number 25. Zach Franzel gets out of his first tackle and a second effort. Gets close to that first down marker right at the 46-yard line. Tackle made by Bryce Fernald as well as Connor Herford for Cassidy. And they're saying move the chains already on a five-yard gain when they needed exactly that. Uh, that's that's all Franzel there. He does an excellent job being patient. He waits for that block to happen, even makes a tackler miss. All that happens right at the line of scrimmage. He's able to hop over that broken tackle and get right down to the first down marker, and they're going to place the ball right at the marker and say it is good for a first down. I've got a good sign of the neutral zone here, Dave, right in front of me at the 41. First and 10, left right across your radio. Still that 0-0 ball game. This is the sixth offensive drive between the two teams. We have a total of four first downs, two for each. Working three yards inside the left hash. Feehan under center, still that straight T behind him. Between quarterback keeper Feehan with a lead blocker in front of him across midfield into Sandusky territory and finally brought down at the Cass City 48-yard line. Tackle made by the front line of Cass City, Connor Herford as well as Justin McAlpin, a 5'11", 170-pound freshman out there. Second down in four. But they're making tackles in retreat. Lucas Feehan getting behind them. They got to chase him down, and he's able to fall forward and get one of their better runs on first down, a good seven yards. And that's been the best play for Sandusky so far is execute your fakes to your main backs and let Lucas Feehan keep it around the outside. Sandusky 13 plays, 41 yards, and two first downs. A second down and three after a seven-yard pickup from Lucas Feehan on the quarterback keep. Still on that left hash, left right across your radio, white jerseys, black helmets, black pants. Hand off to DeLorean Wedge. He's across the first down marker, finally brought down and tripped down to the 42-yard line. That'll be a gain of five on the play. Tackle made by Cass City's Jeremy Velasquez, middle linebacker. First time we've heard that name tonight. 
quick dive right up the middle. They're not allowing that Cass City defense to get pressure early by that quick hitter by DeLorean Wedge. The ball is snapped. The quarterback turns to his left and gets the ball to Wedge as quickly as possible. And his momentum is able to get in between those tackles before they know what happens. And then it's up to those linebackers to make the tackle, which they do, but it was too late. He gets five yards and another first down. Sandusky's got something rolling. Sandusky at the Cassidy 42-yard line on the left hash. Handoff to Zach Franzel with a lead blocker. Cassidy swarms to the ball at the 35-yard line, but after a seven-yard pickup from Zach Franzel as Jordan Mester tracks him down as Franzel was almost blocked by his own teammates. Absolutely, but he's patient enough and doesn't panic. He's able to bounce off of his own blocker trying to tackle him and kicks it around the outside, and he's able to to get another seven yards on first down. 6.35 left in the second quarter. Sandusky marching down the field, and no one has scored yet on six offensive drives. Second down and three. They need to get out to the 32-yard line. They're at the 35 of Cass City. Splitting the hash marks. T formation, Franzold, Wedge, and Tovar, and it's a quarterback keeper to the far sideline. Feehan tries to get out of his first tackle, and he's tracked down in that far yard line sideline side by number 75, Justin McAlpin. A speedster himself after just a two-yard gain. Feehan looked like he had the edge, but McAlpin said not so fast. He was getting blocked. A freshman was able to get off that tackle, reach out with those long arms, and drag down Feehan by the jersey for a tackle in the backfield. That is a big play because that has been Sandusky's go-to on this drive is to get Feehan out in space. First time it has really failed tonight. We'll see what Sandusky dials up here in, in obvious four-down territory. From the 34, then he get down to the 32. A third-down situation, two yards between them and the first-down marker. Feehan under center on that left hash. Hand off to DeLorean Wedge. He has the first down. He's still on his feet across the 30. Shifts, shifts twice, and somehow all the way gets all the way down. On a second effort, he rolls himself through the air all the way down to the 23-yard line. And move the chains for DeLorean Wedge and the Redskins for the fourth time tonight. Those are quick dives. you got to know where DeLorean Wedge is. That is the only play I think they have dialed up for him in the playbook, and that is whatever side he's on. He's bouncing right off center. It's either on the left or the right side. You have to be ready for it, and that time when Cassidy's front four doesn't make that tackle. DeLorean Wedge in very little space. I don't think they could have located him in a phone booth. He was he was just back and forth and around people, and it didn't take long. And before you knew it, he had double-digit gain and a big first down for Sandusky. Ten-yard gain for DeLoren Wedge. He now has five carries for 25 yards. Handoff to Zach Franzel has a big gap, and he gets across the 20 and down to the 19-yard line. A gain of four on that, brought down by number 44, Alex Perry, outside linebacker for Red Hawks. Second down and six, 440 left before the half. Starting to see that momentum, that, that Sandusky running game that we've heard about all year long. We saw it in week one against Higher Beach. We're starting to see it now. The gains aren't coming quite as big, but they are consistent. They are finding now some gaps in this defense. They're getting three, four, and five yards of play, especially on first down. Makes things tough for this Cass City defense. Sandusky saunters up to the line of scrimmage. Three men backfield, Franzel, Wedge, and Tovar left to right. Feehan gets the snap, hands it off to DeLoren Wedge, gets out one tackle, and gets tripped up on a second effort across the 10-yard, or across the 15, down to the 13-yard line. Looks like they have the first down marker. No, they do not. The first down marker tried to move, and they're short by a yard. So it's now a second down, or third down in one. Still a very impressive run. DeLorean Wedge was hit. There's missed tackles on this play by the Cass City fronts four. They add him down at the line of scrimmage, but he's able to stumble his way out of it and dive forward and be able to get about four yards on the play to put that 
put that ball down just probably another football's length away from the first down, first down marker. They're at the 14, then he gets to the 13. Feehan turns and hands it off to Zach Franzel, and he gets that, especially that, in a bag of chips. All the way down to the 11-yard line, a three-yard gain. Tackle made by Cassidy's Matt Mahala Kanozgard. Really important series here for both teams. Sandusky now owning the clock. They're owning this drive. They've taken back the field position advantage. And as we roll under three minutes and 20 seconds to go in the first half, regardless of how this drive ends, it's going to be very difficult for Cass City to go all the way the length of the field and get on the board with very little time left. There's three minutes left in the second quarter. Mind you, Cass Sandusky started this own drive with their own 25 with six seconds into the second quarter. Feehan. Quarterback keeper finds that left gap. He's down to the three-yard line before he's tracked down by some maroon jerseys. Short of the first down marker by a yard. Tackle made by Jeremy Velasquez, middle linebacker. He's six foot, 190-pound senior. Two minutes, 50 seconds, and clock rolling. Second down and two to go. Getting to be too easy for Sandusky, but it's simply coming down to they're wearing this Cassidy defense down, and they don't know where it's coming next. These gains of four and five yards are becoming consistent, and this time, as soon as Franzel has a couple carries with Wedge in front of that, they give it to Feehan again. He's able to get loose around the outside, and this time cuts back to the middle of the field and brings it down to about the two-yard line. 72 yards in nine and a half minutes. For the Sandusky Redskins, they're now at the Cassidy three-yard line. Second down and two as they hand off to DeLorean Wedge. Cassidy comes to the line of scrimmage, but to fumble on the very end, perhaps. They're going to say he is down before that came loose. And looks like they may have the first down marker inside. They're right down close to that two-yard line. Tackle made by Bryce Fernall for Cassidy. A two-yard gain for DeLorean Wedge, and they're going to have to measure this one. Cassidy defense, they're going to have to remember that play because that DeLorean wedge run is what burned them a couple times on this series. That quick dive, and that time he met a linebacker head on, was able to get very little yards as they try to determine if this is a first down or not. So as the officials see if they will need new flooring here, measuring out the field. 2.06 left in the second quarter, still no score between Cassidy and Sandusky. Sandusky, though, knocking on the door as they stretch those sticks and looks like he may be short by that much by that much maybe a couple navy beans that's about it 206 left in the second and sandusky will have a third down in very short it's a heck of a lot closer than a sugar beet i know that that is for sure maybe maybe a michigan potato dave that's exactly what it is I you're know. absolutely right there we go that trivia is paying off already paying dividends first time in a decade <laughs> <laughs> no, to, no, no, no. I'll have to wait till next no, no. decade. I How think. many times have you used that stat about the number of fire hydrants in Harbor Beach? Uh, that is by far, I don't know if you'll ever top that one. That was by far your best one you've come up Third with Third and a Michigan potato from the three-yard line for Sandusky. Feehan on the Tom Brady dive straight forward. Looks like he has it. The question is, though, does he have the touchdown? He's all the way down to the half-yard line as the officials come in from both sidelines to see where this ball is. Feehan is already at back of the five-yard line, not really doing himself favors. Looks like he may be short. Tackle was made by Matt Mahalik for Cass City. As now Congress is in session, trying to figure out where this one's at, and they're going to say he was down at the, that looks like the one-yard line, but regardless, first down, move the chains for the sixth time this time, this drive for Sandusky, and they mark him down at the six-inch line, first and goal. Just going to say that football is completely inside the one-yard line, so job well done there for Feehan. He doesn't get in the end zone, but he does get the first down, and now they'll have a couple cracks at it here from right on the edge of the goal line. Sandusky very well may have this ball for over 10 minutes on one drive in the second quarter. Less than a minute to play in the first half. Feehan 
under center. Three men backfield. Franzel and Feehan keep her on it and it moves sideways and he's in. Touchdown Sandusky. 48 seconds before the half is off. And Lucas Feehan caps off a 75-yard drive for the Sandusky Redskins. And it's six points for Sandusky. And noted that the siren even travels. It certainly does, especially for playoff games. But there, there, there's nothing exciting about those last two plays. It is complete quarterback sneak. It is jump off the snap count and just try to let those big hog mollies in the center push you forward. And that's exactly what he does. Gets a little help from Franzel in the backside. He bounces off those Cassidy defenders. They do a heck of a job. They, they probably only give up the six inches on that play, but just enough to get our first score of the game with 48 seconds to go in the half and Sandusky lining up for the two-point conversion. Going for two, Feehan under center. We have whistles as Sandusky wants to discuss this one. So we'll take a break as well. It's 6-0. Sandusky leading the Cassidy Redhawks in your home for high school football, the WLW Sports Network. back on the ranch of the two-point conversion. It's a handoff to Zach Franzel, and he's stopped at the one-yard line by number 27, Matt Mahalik, the nose guard for Redskins, or Red Hawks, excuse me, and his score remains 6-0 after the buy one, get one is no good. 48.9 seconds left in this first half. It's 6-0, Sandusky leading right here on your home for high school football, the WLW Sports Network. Sandusky caps off a 17-play, 75-yard drive that covered 11 minutes and 6 seconds off the clock. Capped off with a Lucas Feehan one-yard quarterback dive. Makes it 6-0. Sandusky goes for the squib kick, comes into the 40-yard line. Brought in by number 11 for Cass City. That would be Lance Swiderski. Tight end as well as a safety for and a junior for the Red Hawks. So they'll start out at their own 40-yard line, a 60-yard field in front of them with 48 seconds left in the first half. When all said and done, if Cassidy holds this ball until halftime, they have had the ball in this quarter for 54 seconds. Uh, well, that's a lot of time for your defense to be on the field, and that means they are exhausted. So halftime couldn't come quick enough for Cassidy, but they have a bunch of timeouts left. I just They haven't shown enough for me to score here with 48 seconds left. Fernald hands it off to number 33. That would be Nozleski. He gets out for maybe a yard if he's lucky out to the 41-yard line. Nothing happening for the Cass City offense through the between the trenches. Stop made by Sandusky's number 52. That would be Jacob Sanderson, defensive end. And Coach Cottrell and his offense have no interest in attempting to score here with 48 seconds left. And I'm not surprised because you don't have the aerial assault in your playbook anymore. But this game is going to go to the half. 6-0 with a Sandusky lead as Cass City is going to run their last play. And off right of the middle, Jordan Mester gets out to the 45, out to the 46 when all said and done out for a five-yard gain. 
Tackle made by Sandusky's number 58, Mitchell Davis, as well as Zach Franzel. And that is the end of 24 minutes of play, and we have a one-possession ball game. Sandusky with a lone score of the night, 6-0. Sandusky leads on the road against the Cassidy Redhawks. The battle of the undefeated, 7-0 against 7-0, and Sandusky has the early advantage. 6-0 at halftime right here on your home for high school football, the WLW Sports Network being powered by Agar Valley Services. 6-0 at the half. WLW Sports at the half finds the Sandusky Redskins on the road with a six-point lead, 6-0 as they score with 48 seconds left in that second quarter. Before we get to the scoring play, play, not plays, we'll listen in to the Cassidy Marching Band on the field tonight. First time all season we've had the pleasure of listening to a marching band. Let's take advantage. And junior Kyle Cap on the trumpet. We hope you enjoy your 2020 Red Hawk Marching Band and their performance of Friday
listening to the WLW Sports Network at the half. The Sandusky Redskins leading the Kansas City Red Hawks at halftime. Dave Hansen, we had one scoring play in this first half. Why don't you tell us what that was? It was an exciting one, too. It came at the end of the second quarter with under a minute to go when Lucas Feehan on a quarterback sneak from the half-yard line punches it into the end zone. The two-point run by Franzel was no good. And that was your only score of the first half. Six to nothing. The road team, Sandusky, leads Cass City six to nothing. It's time for a short break. Kudos to the Cass City marching band on the field tonight. Sounds excellent per usual. And it's time for a short break. And we'll return, we'll take a look at our halftime stats between the Sandusky Redskins and the Cass City Redhawks. At halftime, after 24 minutes of play, we've had six total points all in favor of the Sandusky Redskins. Right here on your home for high school football, the WLW Sports Network, being powered by Anger Valley Services. to the WLW Sports Network at the half. It's 6-0. Sandusky leading the Cassidy Redhawks in Cass City in the second week of the postseason. The district semifinals in Division 7. The Cassidy Redhawks with just 16 plays of offense for a total of 44 yards. The Sandusky Redskins doubling that with 90 yards on 24 plays. They're averaging 3.8 yards per play. Cass City with 2.8. Leading the way for Sandusky would be DeLorean Wedge with seven carries and 31 yards, averaging 4.4 per carry. He's carried the ball 32% of the time for DeLore, for Sandusky. Zach Franzel with six carries, 23 yards. And Lucas Feehan, seven carries, 22 yards. The quarterback with the lone score of this ballgame, averaging three yards per carry. And he's carried the ball one-third of the time. And Martin Tovar, two carries for seven yards. Through the air, one for two for Lucas Feehan for a total of seven yards. It's identical stats. Uh, Lucas Feehan has been probably the lone bright spot in this game for either team. He's done a nice job. Uh, he, he did have a missed snap to start the game and a fumble. Uh, obviously, doesn't sound like he's playing good, but he's been surprisingly had some very important carries in this first half. And then, obviously, the touchdown run to boot. But on the other side, you look at Cassidy. They don't have anything to talk about. Uh, Noah Zaleski had 13 yards on one carry. His next three accumulated one positive yard total. Uh, other than that... Um, I like what they did in the passing game. They, they did have a completion to Matt Mahalik for eight yards, and Lance Swiderski was open. That ball was a little too much air under it. Carlson was able to break on it and knock it down, but that receiver was open, and a better throw probably gets him a, a first down type throw, a 10-yard play that could go for more if there's a broken tackle. So I guess looking at these two teams, I don't see a whole lot going different for either team. It, it starts gonna, it's going to start with Sandusky and what happens on that first drive. If they go down and score, the playbook of Cass City is going to get thrown right out the window. They can't afford an eight- or nine-minute drive that ends in a Cass City touchdown or even or even a Sandusky touchdown. They're down by two. They're going to have to jump start, jump start this offense. Bubble screens, something, some kind of quick action to get that defense back on their heels. Noah Zaleski leads the Cassidy Redhawks with four carries in 14 yards. Jordan Mester, four carries, 12 yards. Bryce Fernell, three carries, nine yards. And Alex Perry, three carries for just one total yard. 
Kicking things off for the Kansas City Red Hawks will be Alex Perry at his own 40-yard line. It's a mid-range kick. Bounces at the 27. Into the hands of Lucas Feehan at the 25. Cuts in the middle of the field. And he has absolutely nowhere to go. And Maroon jerseys rip him down to the 31-yard line. Leading the way would be Kansas City's Matt Mahalik on special teams. First and 10 for the Red Hawks. For the Redskins, excuse me, at their own 31. Something tells me that won't be the last no, time we not. say that tonight. No, but will not. They will start right around their own 30-yard line. <clears throat> and that's been par for the course. But Sandusky just finished before the half. A monstrous drive, about 11 minutes, that ended in a score. And just completely wore down Cassidy's defense. Completely owned that second quarter. Looking to work off that. They can go up two scores with a score on this drive. This game is going to be very difficult for Cass City to dig deep and find two scores on this Sandusky defense. First and 10 from their own 31-yard line. Handoff to Martin Tovar around the left gap. Gets out to the 35-yard line. There'll be a gain of four on the play before the Maroon jerseys swarm to him there. Leading the way for the Cass City defense was number 60, Jeremy Velasquez, middle linebacker. Yeah, one name we didn't hear a lot of was Martin Tovar, so no surprise when the defense is just got done talking about how important DeLorean Wedge is and how important Zach Franzel is, and wow, what a first half Lucas Feehan was having. We're going to start the half again with the Martin Tovar, and he does just what everybody else has been doing, get three or four yards on first down. Sandusky had the ball for 15 minutes and 27 seconds in that first half, Cassidy 8 minutes and 33 seconds. 66% to 33%. 11 minutes left in the third quarter. Sandusky's Lucas Feehan under center, facing a second down and six, and a handoff to DeLorean Wedge right up the gut out for three yards out to the 38-yard line before he's chopped down by number 60. Jeremy Velasquez once again his second tackle of the second half. You can see Cassidy's defense gambling on that dive, but they still aren't really able to stop it. DeLorean Wedge just still runs right into a linebacker, and as he's being tackled, he's able to fall forward and get a couple three yards to make third down very manageable. Third down and four. First down markers on the other side of the 40 at the 41-and-a-half-yard line. They're at their own 38. Left or right across your radio. Away white uniforms for Lucas Feehan and the Redskins. Under center, now we have a man in motion. False start. As looks like Brennan Duff knew that was going to be a false start already. So this is going to... Oh, they're going to call a timeout already. So before the false start, there was a timeout called by Craig Jacobson and the Redskins. So with 10.26 left in the third quarter, we have our first timeout of the evening right here on the WLW Sports Network, Sandusky 6-0. Sandusky calls their first timeout of the second half. 10-26 left in the third quarter. Third down in three and a half for the Reds Hawk. Redskins. There we go. Hand off to Zach Franzel and Cassidy swarms to the ball. They're going to say forward progress stopped right at the original line of scrimmage. Matt Mahalik for Cassidy's front line bringing him down. He's the nose guard for no gain. They're actually going to say a loss of a half a yard, maybe a yard on that. Brings up a fourth down and five. Fourth and four for Sandusky. There's that defensive penetration we, we really lost in the second quarter. It was both teams just blowing up the opposing running game. And on the whole second quarter, Sandusky owned the defense of Cass City. We finally see them jump the line of scrimmage, get in the backfield, and force a short loss on the play. And the way this game is going, field position battle, Coach Jacobson 
as of right now, has the special teams unit out to punt it away. Zach Franzel stands at his own 22-yard line, gets the long slap. Snap, the punt is away. It's a line drive, bounces at the 34-yard line. Bryce Fernald thinks about scoops it up, thinking about scooping it up, but he does not, and Sandusky downs it at the Cass City 23-yard line, first and 10, after a three and out to start the second half for Sandusky. Well, that's a big, big stop by Cass City to start this game because you're down a score, and it was a painful, slow drive that Sandusky put on him the end of the second quarter. So to come out in the second half, third quarter, to get a three and out, and give your offense a chance early in the third quarter. That is exactly what the home team needed, exactly what they talked about in the locker room. Now, we'll see if they've made enough offensive adjustments to move the, move the ball down the field. They only accumulated 44 yards of offense in the first half. From their own 23-yard line, a handoff to Alex Perry, right up the gut, across the 25 and out to the 28-yard line. Brendan Duff makes the stop, middle linebacker for Sandusky. That is the biggest gain for Alex Perry tonight. It's a five-yard gain, second and five. And I like the change. It just felt like Cassidy's offense was moving a half a gear too slow, and it just that Sandusky defense was swarming to the football, not allowing anything to happen. I like that change right there, and it's right out of the Sandusky playbook. As soon as the quarterback gets it, it's plant that left foot, and Alex Perry is diving ahead at full speed, and he's able to plow right up the middle and get five quick yards. Sandusky leading 6-0. It's a handoff to Nozleski for Cassidy on a second and Five gets out for a yard to the 29-yard line, inching closer to that 30-yard line. On the stop, DeLorean Wedge for Sandusky, third down and four. And right back to those fakes where they take time, and it's a slow process of getting the ball to the right running back into the right gap. And by that time, Sandusky is just flying to the football. So as soon as Zaleski gets it after watching the two fakes in front of him, he runs right into the blitzing defensive backs who are right on the line of scrimmage and tackle him for a very short game. They're at their own 29-yard line, and then you get out to the 33. 8-17 left in the third. 6-0 cast Sandusky. It's a handoff to Noah Zaleski. He has the first down. Move the chains all the way out to the 35-yard line. DeLorean Wedge on the stop after a six-yard pickup for Noah Zaleski. First down. Virtually the exact same play. The ball goes to the exact same spot, but you see uh, the offensive guys led by Bryce Fernald, really show a hard fake around the outside. They really sell that pitch and keep her around the outside. And at that time, Zaleski is able to get around the left side. And DeLorean Wedge doesn't jump the route this time. He stays back about five yards, and that's exactly where he hits Zaleski, and he's able to get a first down. Right to left cross your radio. It's a handoff from Bryce Fernald into the hands of Noah Zaleski once again, and he lost a yard on that back to the 34-yard line. The second down 11 as Sandusky's front line brings him down. Leading the way was number 25. That'd be Zach Franzel. You're seeing right before the snap, you will see Sandusky rotate their line. They're, they're sliding left or sliding right, trying to figure out which way Cass City's running the football. And that time they slide right, Cass City runs right into it. And it's just an overload of defensive players for Sandusky. They make the tackle in the backfield. Hand off to Alex Perry. He's fighting for every possible yard he can get. He gets out across the 35 to the 36 yard line. Tackle made by number 55, Casey Kirkpatrick, outside linebacker for Sandusky after a two yard pickup for Perry. Third down and nine. 52 Jacob Sanderson in the area as well, but that, that's all Alex Perry. He was getting hit in the backfield, and he's got to shed a tackler and dive forward just to get two, two and a half yards. And right back to the situations that have caused Cass City troubles, it's third down and nine. 6.45 left in the third. Bryce Fernald pitch out to the Alex Perry, and Sandusky in the flats has tracks him down and rips him out of bounds at the original line of scrimmage at the 36-yard line. When all said and done, no gain in the play. 
and Zach Franzel stops them for no game. You ever have that eerie suspicion that this game is going to end six to nothing? There's a good chance that of that. That is exactly what it feels like right now as these defenses are stepping up their game. And this Sandusky defense is playing absolutely outstanding right now, almost flawless, because the option, that's the first time we saw it tonight. Cass City tries to run it well, and it fails miserably as Sandusky is able to beat them to the sideline and make that tackle and, again, force yet another punt by Cass City. Balls away from Alex Perry and is kicked into the back of the line. Perry has to scoop it up, but he cannot. It is scooped up by number 73 for Sandusky. That would be Caden Blaschel on special teams, and it's a block punt on their own effort. And it's a first and 10 on the plus side of the field right on the edge of the red zone of the 25-yard line. And you can see what they're trying to do. Alex Perry is trying to kick that ball low. He wants to angle it away from the special team return man. And by kicking it low, you try to get that top spin. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that ball skips and goes down the field further with very little return. But that's twice now. That ball has come out very, very low and hit the hit the offensive line of his own, bouncing backward. And Sandusky is now looking to take advantage of it this time as they start well into Cass City territory. At the plus side of the 25-yard line, Lucas Feehan on the quarterback keeper. He tr tries to go to the left side. And instead, number 66, that would be Ryan DeLong. Defensive tackle rips him down for a two-yard loss, actually a three-yard loss, back at the 28-yard line. Yeah, and that time Lucas Feehan ran into his running back there. Some obvious miscommunication. I'm not sure on which end, but nonetheless, they run into each other, and Feehan does the right thing. Keeps it for himself and just take what's given to you, which is nothing there, but it could have been a lot worse. Those are the situations that end up in fumbles. But Cass City's defense answers the call on first down, gets a three-yard loss, second and 13 for Sandusky. From the 28-yard line, 545 left in the third quarter. Sandusky six, Cass City nothing. Feehan surveys the Perry. Three men, wing tee to the left, actually. It's a handoff to DeLorean Wedge. He gets, tries to get out, and he's stuffed for a three-yard gain. Looked like he was stopped in the backfield, but in a second effort, pushes out across the 25 to the 24. Stopped by Alex Perry on Cassidy's defense. Third down in nine. Absolutely, but Alex Perry had him cleaned up in the backfield, and it, that's all DeLorean Wedge to escape enough of that tackle to get forward progress. Alex Perry's going to bring him down, but <clears throat> he allows that extra yardage, that yard after contact, so third down and nine, still right in the driver's seat is the Cass City defense. You, you did your job, but this is well into your own territory. It's four down territory, no doubt, for Coach Jacobson and company. Wing G to the right. Feehan hands it off to Zach Franzel, pushing that pile forward. Gets all the way down to the 17-yard line, short of that first down marker, as he was stopped by Dustin Nagley, outside linebacker, six-foot, 185-pound senior for Cass City. Three yards short, fourth down and three, according to the spot, at the 17-yard line. That quick dive is, is going to get Cassidy again. And that, as soon as that ball is snapped, there is a fullback that is hitting the hole quickly. And he gets between those tackles, and you can just see it happening as he falls forward and gets a hard-earned five or six yards. And all of a sudden, third and nine turns into fourth and three, and Sandusky licking their chops with a chance to advance for another touchdown. Looks like it's closer to two yards as they're at the 17-yard line, needing down to the 15. Fourth down, seven-man front for Cassidy. Now they back out of it. Three-man backfield straight to It's a handoff to Zach to Delorean Wedge. He's 
tripped up in the backfield, but it looks like they're going to mark him down at the 16-yard line, this side of the 15. And this very well may be a turnover on downs. No word yet from the officials. Number 20 for Kansas City, Dustin Nagley on the stop. And that is short of the first down line to gain. And Kansas City comes up strong on the three and out. A four and out for Sandusky. Flip the field. And Kansas City back in offense, trailing just by six points. Obviously a huge stop for Kansas City. Sandusky had a great chance after that really good third down play to get that first down and they're going to come up about uh, half a yard short of the first down so well done by Cassidy's defense with their backs against the wall but now their offense comes on the field and has not had any success at all against Sandusky's defense we'll see what they can dial up here and, and get a couple first downs it's a handoff to Alex Perry up the gut. He has out for about two, maybe three yards out to the 18-yard line. Stopped by Sandusky's number 78, Micah Brown. 3.55 left in the third quarter. Second down in seven upcoming for City. Just nowhere to go, but Alex Perry, strong enough, takes that quick hitter right up the middle. He's able to dive forward and get three yards on that quick fullback dive that really has been the only play that either offense has been able to utilize so far in the second half. Cass City has not had a first down since in the first quarter on their drive that ended at the three-minute mark in that first quarter. It's been three and outs ever since. Second down and eight from their own 17-yard line. Back to pass. Bryce Fernald throwing to the near sideline. Has Alex Perry downfield, and it's out of his reach as he fell down as well at the 35-yard line. Incomplete double coverage swarming to the ball between Number two, that'd be Matt Carlson and DeLorean Wedge for Sandusky. Third down and eight now. Oh, the old wheel route. You see Alex Perry come right out of the backfield, head to the sideline, and turn upfield. And that was a design play. There was nowhere else that uh, Bryce Fernald was looking. And as soon as he planted his foot, he looked at the left sideline and threw it up in the air, which, to your point, gave enough time for Matt Carlson to come on over from the secondary and come over and help out on that play. But if the ball was just a little overthrown, it would have taken a perfect throw to complete that pass well covered by Sandusky. Third and eight, back to the straight tee for Cassidy. Fernald under center. Back to pass, rolling to his left. Looking downfield to pump fakes. Now he has to run with it. He's across the 20. Across the 25, still on his feet and upended at the 29-yard line by DeLoren Wedge, but it's enough to move the chains. They needed eight, and he got 11. First and 10 for Cassidy. I love it. If Sandusky's going to man up, I love rolling out of the pocket. I always wonder why you'd roll a right-handed quarterback to the left side, but nobody believes he's going to do it two times in a row. He does and makes an excellent senior decision as he tucks the football and nothing but green grass in front of him and utilizing his legs to run for that first down and a much-needed one for the Cassidy offense. Cassidy's second longest run of the night at 11 yards for Bryce Fernald. He has four carries for 20 yards tonight. 2.49 left in the third, still 6-0, a handoff to Jordan Mester up the gut, gets out across the 30, not much more beyond that, and maybe out to the 31-yard line for a hard-fought two yards. Stop made by middle linebacker Brendan Duffer Sandusky. Second down and eight from the 31. Cassidy's offense doing everything they can to try and find a running game. They, they put two receivers out there on the field that time to try and spread out that good front seven of Sandusky, but it's still no good. They, they get one yard, maybe two, if the officials are feeling generous, and that's it. They, they've just had no luck attacking the middle of this Sandusky defense. Working off the left hash, right to left cross your radio. Alex Perry gets the handoff in that gap, closes immediately as the handoff happens. Three white jerseys swarm to the 31-yard line, led by, that would be Mitchell Davis, defensive tackle, six foot, 215-pound sophomore for Sandusky. And we have two minutes left in the third quarter. Still Sandusky 6-0, Cass City facing a third and seven. 
sometimes they, you think those plays are like Cass City has the lead, right? They're just trying to run the clock out. They're just There's very little creativity. We're running right into the best part of the Sandusky defense. But kudos to Sandusky. This defense has been awesome so far through these first three quarters. Cass City with just 73 total yards. Fernald to pass. He has to rush it into the hands of Perry. It's caught. He has the first down. It's still on his feet at the 47-yard line before he's brought down by Matt Carlson. After the first down marker at the 47 of their own territory, and they convert on third and seven for their second first down of this drive. Absolutely a great throw by Fernald, and an even better catch by Alex Perry. He's a little high, but he's able to haul that thing in at full momentum. A thrower in the fa- defender in the face of Fernald. He's able to make that throw on the, narc, on the mark, allow that forward momentum of Alex Perry, his momentum to carry him past the first down marker. And if Matt Carlson doesn't make that tackle, Alex Perry scores. So look for Cassidy to continue to use that roll, rolling out play action pass to their advantage. It's a handoff to Alex Perry, and Sandusky swarms to that one at the 46-yard line. Leading the way was Mitch was Broxton Davis for Sandusky. Defensive lineman, 6'1", 205-pound senior. Loss of a yard on the play, second down 11 at their own 46. Yeah, I almost thought that, uh, was it 58, Mitchell Davis, the Excuse sophomore? Me, yes, 58. I, I, I almost thought he was going to take the handoff. He was right there. Running back gets ball, running back goes down. And, and there's I can't say it fast enough, that's how quickly that tackle was made. 58 was right there with a chance to almost take the handoff. That's how much pressure this front four of Sandusky's been getting in the backfield of Cass City all night long. 30 seconds left, it's a pitch to... Noah Zaleski has a lead blocker. Gets out for two, maybe three yards of the 49-yard line. Tackle made by Jacob Sanderson, defensive end for Sandusky. And with 20 seconds left here in this third quarter, Cass City very well may not run another play. 6-0, Sandusky leading Cass City. And it'll be a third down and eight upcoming for the Red Hawks. And they're going to say we're going to run out this clock for the remaining six seconds. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network. Sandusky leads after 36 minutes of play, leading just by one touchdown, 6-0. Right here on your home for high school football, the WLEW Sports Network. Nothing in Cass City. The Sandusky Redskins lead the Red Hawks six nothing. In Ubley, it's tied up at eight apiece at the end of the third quarter between USA and Ubley at eight apiece. Twelve minutes are on the board. That is all that's left in regulation. It's a one possession ball game. Cass City on offense facing a third and seven from their own forty nine yard line. Marching left to right across the radio. Back to pass for Nald at the first down marker into the hands of Matt Mahalik at the 43-yard line of Sandusky. It is caught. Is it enough for the first down? That is the question. No word yet from the officials. They're going to say move the chains just enough. They needed seven. That's exactly what they got. Uh, perfect throw there by Bryce Fernald. The under pressure. It's a quick route. Matt Mahalik looks for the first down marker and sets right down in the middle of what looked like a zone defense and a quick strike from Fernald. Mahalik catches it, goes right to the ground, secures the catch. Perfect to play design and execution. First down, Cass City. First and ten. That's their third of this drive, fifth of the night. 
First and 10 from the Sandusky 43-yard line, trailing 6-0. Handoff to Noah Zleski in the front line of Sandusky. Brings him down for no gain. Sass still at that 43-yard line. You call the number. It was on that one. Micah Brown, Caden Blaschel, and Casey Kirkpatrick making sure that was going absolutely nowhere. Second and 10. Split those tackles in fifths over there, Doug, all right? Because <laughs> uh, you could give that one to just about anybody, but that's been that play right up the middle. This front four of Sandusky has absolutely dominated it, and they – Cass City just continues to pound their heads right into that same spot for very little gain. And again, here we are, second down and long for Cass City. Entering this ball game, Bryce Fernald has thrown the ball 16 times and 10 completions in the season for 211 yards and four scores. As a quarterback keeper, Bryce Fernald with a lead blocker in front of him cuts up field across the 40th, the 35 to the 30 to the 25, cuts inside, and he's finally wrapped down by Matt Carlson at the 19 yard line of Sandusky. From the 42 all the way down to the 19, a 23-yard pickup on the quarterback. Keep for Fernald and move the chains into the red zone for Cassidy. Ryan DeLong does not get enough credit there. 66 when you go back and watch the tape. Absolutely pancake blocks. A Sandusky Redskin right on his backside, and that frees up the sideline, and Bryce Fernald doesn't miss it. And arguably their biggest play of the game comes early in the fourth quarter now. First down inside the 20 of Sandusky. Red Hog Nation X fired up and is a handoff to Noah Zaleski going out the left gap across the 20 down to the 17, maybe the 18-yard line. Stop made by Zach Franzel outside linebacker for Sandusky. Sandusky. It's a two-yard gain, second down and eight at the Sandusky 18-yard line. This Sandusky defense just does not get shaken up. They give up a big play and come right back on first down, allow a yard, yard and a half at most, and Cassidy kind of back in this position they've been in all night long, second down and long, nine to go for the first down as we crawl under 10 minutes to go in this game. Mind you, this drive started at Cassidy's own 16-yard line after they held strong on a four down turnover on downs and they've had the ball for over six minutes now Bryce Fernald quarterback handoff to Alex Perry or quarterback keeper Bryce Fernald across the 10 yard line all the way down to the eight it's enough to move the chains first down on a nine yard pickup for Bryce Fernald stop made by Caden Blaschel defensive end for Sandusky first and goal at the eight remember when Lucas Feehan in the second quarter was getting free on that play it looks very familiar yeah, it does look very familiar and all of a sudden Bryce Fernald has found a little running room here selling his fakes getting excellent blocks around the end. Ryan DeLong again setting the edge and allows Fernald to get upfield for a much needed first down and now it's first and goal for Cass City at the 8 yard line. The 5th first down of this drive 7 on the night. First and goal from the 8 ends a flip over to number 3. Then Jordan Mester in for the score. Touchdown Cass City 9-10 remains in the 4th quarter and the Red Hawks are on the board for the first time tonight and we are tied 6-6 between Sandow in Cassidy. Nice play there by Cass City as they're able to find the end zone. It took four quarters, but they eventually got their first score of the game. And now the all-important two-point conversion. Remember, way back in the first half, Sandusky failed on their run. Cass City now with a chance to take the lead Jordan on that Jordan Mester touchdown. Going for two. They're staying to the wing tee to the right. Fernald under center. It's a wing back Jordan Mester to the right. Now a man in motion, that would be Noah Zaleski. Back to pass is Bryce Fernald. He's being brought down and is thrown at the feet at the goal line. The two-point conversion fails, so we are tied at six apiece with 9-10 remaining in regulation right here on the WLW Sports Network. Sandusky six and Cassidy finally on the board for the first time tonight. They also have six points. Nine minutes remain in the fourth quarter.
9-10 remains in regulation. Cassidy camps off a 6-minute, 56-second drive that started their own 16-yard line. Covered 84 yards on 14 plays. Ended in a Jordan Mester 8-yard run. Two-point conversion fails, so we are tied at 6-6. 9-10 remaining in the fourth quarter. Alex Perry ready to kick things off for the Red Hawks since the squib kick comes into the 35-yard line. And the Redskins jump on it. At the 35-yard line, that'd be number five, Kyle Gibord, a tight end and linebacker for Redskins. First and ten for Sandusky with a tie ball game, 9.09 remains. Heads-up play there by Gibord, and that little squib kick, not allowing any big return by any of their playmakers. And he's one of the up guys. He's there to block, and he does exactly what he's supposed to do. Cover up that football, get down, and let's get our offense on the field and see if they can't put together one good drive here with just over nine minutes to go in the game. As their spotter pointed out, neither team has kicked beyond the 30-yard line tonight. 9:09 remain in the fourth. Six to six, Sandusky in Cass City. You'd hate to have one. Of, you'd hate to lose this game on a special teams yeah. play right now. That's no just kidding. how close it is. Feehan under center, three men backfield, straight T. Handoff to Zach Franzel, up left gap, and he gets out for two, three yards out to the 38-yard line, according to the spot. Tackle made by Cass City's Dustin Nagley, outside linebacker. Second down and a short seven. As you can see, that dive right up the middle, and it's hard to even guess how many yards they get until they unpack the pile of bodies off there. Uh, it looks like they are going to give them three yards on the play for Zach Franzel on that quick dive right up the middle. A three-yard gain for Franzel. Now gives him 30 yards on nine carries. DeLorean Wedge, leading carrier for Sandusky, 10 carries for 39. Feehan under center. Quarterback keeper around the right side. He breaks out one tackle, and he's going to be brought down in the backfield for a two-yard loss back at the 31-yard line. Cassidy swarming to the ball, leading the charge was, no surprise here, Dustin Nagley with his second straight tackle. This one, a tackle for a loss, a two-yard loss, third down and eight. Play was disastrous from the beginning. Uh, they tried to sell that fake up the middle, and then... A run around the outside, but he runs into the lead backer. It looked like Zach Franzel is where Lucas Feehan ran into him and had to go backwards to go around him. Great job by the left side of that Cassidy defensive line, backing up that play, forcing the quarterback to go backwards, and then there was nothing but maroon jerseys. Feehan goes down in the backfield. Third and eight for Sandusky at their own 37-yard line. Handoff right up the middle. This one goes out for three yards. That'd be DeLorean Wedge on the carry for three yards. Now brings up a fourth down in five as Wedge really tripped himself up at, his, at their own 40-yard line. Fourth and five. They need to get out to the 45-yard line for the first down. Looks like they bring out the punt team. I think Jeremy Velasco has had something to say about that, tripping him up. But with it being fourth down and approximately five yards to go, uh, in your own territory, this is a tough place to play. Stop, it was seven minutes to go, but the game is tied. Your defense has been outstanding tonight, just allowing that one touchdown on the last series. I don't blame Coach Jacobson. I think I punt it away and uh, hope my defense comes up with another stop. USA takes the lead in Ubley in the fourth quarter, 14-8 now. USA leading Ubley. It's a low snap. The snap is up, and the kick is away, the punt, and it bounces at the 33 and rolls out of bounds at the 29 of Cass City. So the Red, Red Hawks will start out first and 10 from their own 29-yard line. They're actually going to say it went out of bounds before that. So they're going to start at their own 32-yard line with 6.46 left in the fourth quarter, tied at six apiece between Sandusky and Cass City. This is, uh, this is exactly what Cassidy needed. They gain momentum late here in the game. They get their first score of the game, and that defense answers the call. It gets a three and out. And now that offense that finally found some wiggle room 
We'll see if that continues. Bryce Fernald leading the way, running the football. Not always on design runs, might I add you. We'll see if Cassidy continues that aggressive play calling. They start this drive at their own 31-yard line, but all said and done. First and 10. Left or right across your radio, maroon home uniforms, gray pants, gray matte finish helmets. Back to pass, Bryce Fernald throwing downfield, wide open at midfield. Is brought in, no, it cannot. Noah Zaleski is going to have nightmares about that one as he had known in front of him had Martin Tovar beat by five yards and hit the hands and bounced out incomplete at the 45 of Sandusky and now instead sets up a second down and 10. Wow, it, it's, a, it's the home run call, but that play has been there, and I love the play call. The throw is just a little bit high, but it was thrown only where Noah Zaleski can get it. And the closest defender on that play, you were being generous. I think I was the closest defender on that play. <laughs> there was no defensive back anywhere close. Martin Tovar comes late eventually, but if Noah Zaleski catches that in stride, folks, we have a Cassidy lead in this game. It's second and ten. It's a handoff to Noah Zaleski, this time carrying the ball. He gets out for maybe a yard out to the 32-yard line. A gain of a yard. Leading the way would be number 52, Jacob Sanderson, as well as Casey Kirkpatrick for Sandusky's defense. Gain of a yard, third and nine. Brennan Duff, not far away either, but it's one of those things. We've been saying it all night. Pick your number on that front seven of Sandusky. They've been involved on every play. And now third down and nine in your own territory. It's hard for me to imagine that Coach Cathrell doesn't draw up pay action again, even though no one's falling for the fact they're going to run the football here. Uh, they're they're going to try and throw the ball and see if they can find an open receiver. And if it's man-to-man coverage, don't be surprised. Bryce Fernald rolls out to his right and keeps it. Five minutes, 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and we have a timeout called by the Kansas City Redhawks. Six to six, tie ball game in Kansas City facing a critical third and nine at their own 32-yard line. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network, home of your high school football and the strong side at seven on Sunday. Timeout. Cassidy rolls out. Bryce Fernald out of the pocket looking to pass downfield. And Caden Blaschel sucked all the life out of Bryce Fernald on that one. Brought him down for a 10 yard loss way back at the 24 yard line. Brings out the punting unit for Cassidy. Caden Blaschel holding down the left side of the defensive line. They sell the play action run to the left, roll out to the right, and Caden Blaschel absolutely makes a huge sack to force a punt by Alex Perry. Alex Perry gets the punt away fine, and he's brought down. As brought in by Martin Tovar at the 45-yard line, Tovar turns his back to the defense to do a starburst effect on the special teams to hand it off to DeLoren Wedge. DeLoren Wedge gets the handoff, and then he is blasted down by Cassidy's special team for a two-yard loss after that. So no gain on the (laughs) special team's punt return, and they will start out at their own 41-yard line, tied 6-6. I must tell you, great decision by Martin Tovar because he hands it off (laughs) to DeLorean Wedge, and he takes the rock, the absolute licking uh, instead of Martin Tovar, but that was Noah Zaleski, by the way, on special teams, absolutely lighting up DeLorean Wedge for no return on the play, but with five minutes, four seconds to go in the game, the Sandusky offense takes over in good field position. Wing D to the left, and it's a handoff to DeLorean Wedge, and Cass City's defense now swarming to the ball. 
Sandusky, or number 60, Jeremy Velasquez, middle linebacker, sneaks between the tackles and brings him down for a yard loss back at the 40-yard line. A gay loss of two on the play, second down and 12. That play was going nowhere. That's that quick fullback dive that's been so successful, and you see Cassidy blitz right into it and absolutely light up that running back in the backfield. Two-yard loss. This Cassidy defense has all of a sudden figured things out here after that long, merciless drive in the end of the second quarter. They have found their rhythm and now second down and a long 11 for Sandusky. Second down and 11 from the 40-yard line. They have not had a first down in the second half yet. Four minutes and 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter, 6-6. Six to six. Quarterback keeper Lucas Feehan trying to find a seam. He just gets a lit about five yards. Finally brought down by Connor Herford for Cass City after a five-yard gain from the 40 out to the 44-yard line. Actually, a four-yard gain, third down and seven coming up for Sandusky. That's a really good effort by Lucas Feehan because he was running into his own bodies yet again, but he's able to bounce it outside. But that next move is pivotal. As soon as he finds the opening on the outside, he plants his foot and cuts back into the middle of the field, and he's able to turn that into a hard-earned five yards. Now inching closer to their own 45, looks like their own 44-yard line. It's third down and seven with 3.35 to go in the game. Straight tee behind Feehan under center. Right to left cross your radio, and it's going to be a, hand, a, a Statue of Liberty or at least a high snap, and they have to jump at it at the 45-yard line. Zach Franzel recovers the fumble coming off of Lucas Feehan's hands for a loss of a yard, or actually a gain of a yard when all said and done at the 45, and Sandusky looks like they're bringing out the punting unit. Design swing pass. It's a it's a type of screen pass where that running back goes around the quarterback and slides out to the right. And when he fakes that dive up the middle, Feehan's job is to plant and throw to the sideline, try to catch him in rhythm and get to the sideline. You will see that. You'll see that in the SEC, the Pac-10, all those players where they try to get those speedy guys in the open space. But a defender of Cass City blew that playoff, blew up the fake, and Feehan kind of had to flip it over there. The ball hits the turf, but Sandusky recovers. And we have whistles, and this will be a false start against Sandusky on a fourth and seven. So this will push them back from their own 45, back to their own 40. Tack on five more penalty yards for the Sandusky Redskins. That is now three penalties for 25 yards for the red and black tonight. So now a fourth down in 12. For the Redskins, punting this one away with 2.42 left in the fourth quarter. Dave, is this a situation where last pers- last team with the ball wins? Well, we said that at the beginning of the game. Last team who has the ball is going to win. And, but is there enough time? The, the time is running here, and Cass City is going to have to – I think they have two timeouts left. Both there's teams enough, have two, yes. There's enough time left to make this happen, but they're going to have to come up with some big plays, and those big plays have been hard to find. Zach Franzel, a little bit of a high snap, but he gets the punt away. It's a high, booming punt, but does not go too far. It bounces at the 35, but takes a huge Sandusky bounce all the way down inside the 25 and rolls to rest at the 24. Maybe the 24 and a half. 210 left in the fourth quarter, 6 to 6 tie. So Jordan Mester's your punt returner, and he is basically standing on the Sandusky sideline. And I know everybody's looking around wondering why is he standing there, but that's the direction the lights are coming from. He has his back to the lights, so that ball doesn't get lost, but he obviously had no. No intention of returning that football, which I think is a mistake. You can still have your back somewhat turned to those lights and catch that football, call a fair catch, catch that thing, but by not doing that, the ball lands and bounces backwards and causes a Cass City, I don't know, another 15 or 15 yards roughly, but nonetheless, their defense 
answered the call, and now with 2.10 and two timeouts, they're going to have to go uh, 75 yards on this Sandusky defense and try to win this game at home. It's a handoff to Alex Perry. He has room to run. Stiff arms one, lowers the shoulder, and gets out almost to the 30-yard line before forward progress is stopped by number 25 for Sandusky's defense, Zach Franzel. And it's going to be a five-yard pickup, as they say, four progress stopped at the 30-yard line. A nice pickup for Alex Perry on first and 10, makes it second and five. And very nice run. One of the few nice runs that anybody's really had on first down. But the clock rolls now under a minute 50 to go, and Cassidy is not in as big a hurry as I thought they might be. USA and Ubley now tied up, 340 left in the fourth quarter, 14 apiece. Handoff to Jordan Mester gets out to the 34-yard line, shy of the first down marker by less than a yard. Tackle made by Sandusky's Brendan Duff, middle linebacker. Third down in very manageable, third down in about a half a foot. Absolutely. Cassidy gets this first down. I imagine this will be that quick fullback dive that we've been seeing Um if they're able to get that first down, I think you have to call a timeout and, and call up a couple plays and try to make something happen. Handoff to Alex Perry. has the first down. He's getting out to the 37-yard line. This will stop the clock momentarily with as Sandusky's number eight, Brady Franzel, brings him in for the stop after a three-yard pickup out to the 47-yard, or excuse me, the 37-yard line. Stops the clock with a 108. Now it rolls again now that the chains are set. And now we have a timeout called by Scott Cathrell in the Red Hawks with one minute remaining in the fourth quarter. It's a 6-6 six to six tie. I, I don't understand why you don't just call timeout. He, we waited, he let about eight seconds run off the clock before you call timeout. But uh, I, I completely agree with the timeout. I would have just done it while they're moving the chains. Uh, by waiting, he cost himself about eight yards or eight seconds. Eight seconds, yes. But uh, nonetheless here, Cass City is going to have one timeout left. And Depends right here. You're making the decision. Are we playing for extra football, or are we going to try to win this game? And I think uh, he's going to try some kind of pass here on a couple plays. And if the first two plays don't go well, you'll see a run on third down and try to force a timeout to be used by Sandusky on the other side. Cassidy with just one timeout remaining. Sandusky with two. Cassidy, that first down right there was their eighth of the night. And six of those in the second half. Five of them coming on that big, long drive of 84 yards and 14 plays, camping off seven minutes off the clock, and an injured Mester eight-yard run. Lucas Feehan with a one-yard dive for Sandusky in the first half was the only score for Sandusky. Both two-point conversions from both teams fail, and we're tied at six. That ugly touchdown came on fourth and two. Ooh. The freshman quarterback hits a 17-yard touchdown pass to Sweeney. The two-point conversion, of course, fails because you have to it's keep the, that game tied the theme, also. the theme of the night here. Absolutely. It's been the theme of the week, I think, is ties all around. <laughs> six to six. I should say the Nevada Electoral College against the Nevada Electoral College. And now we have a timeout called by Craig Jacobson and the Redskins with one minute remaining. And we'll take a short break. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network. We're tied to Sandusky 6, Cass City 6, with one minute remaining in regulation in the second week of the postseason. First and ten for Cass City with one minute remaining in regulation. After a tandem of timeouts for one from each team, both teams were just one timeout apiece. Two wide to the right, one to the left. For Cass City, Bryce Fernald in the pistol. And now man in motion. And Bryce Fernald back to pass. Throws down to the sideline in a miscommunication. Aiden Torres was 
steaming down the near sideline, and he did not turn around. So the ball hits his feet, incomplete, 56 seconds left. Well, pretty obvious that that play was supposed to be thrown deep, but as a receiver, and obviously a receiver that doesn't play a ton, you have to recognize that your quarterback is under pressure, and he threw it to the back shoulder for a chance to complete it for about 10 yards and go out of bounds, but he was not looking. Same formation, this time Bryce Fernald on the keeper. He's across the 40 to the 45, has the first down into Sandusky territory. He's still on his feet at the 33-yard line and finally dragged down all the way at the 31-yard line. From the 37 in their own territory, down to the 31. A 32-yard pickup for Bryce Fernald. 46 seconds left, first and 10. Simple read option. Just a quarterback running back in the backfield. He sees an opening, pulls the ball down the right side, and takes a big gain. And if you're Cass City, this clock is stopped while the chains are moving. This is a chance to get a free play in. And now we have a timeout called by Sandusky. This will be their, their third and final timeout of the second half. With 39.2 seconds left after a 32-yard first down conversion for Bryce Fernald flips the field into Sandusky's side. It certainly felt like Cass City was just going to spike the ball there. So interesting time out there by Coach Jacobson as he actually stops the clock for Cass City who's on offense. But he clearly sees that his defense needs a little regrouping, and that's exactly what he's trying to do. 39 seconds to go, and now Cass City into Sandusky territory with a chance to take the lead at the end of this game. 6-6, six to six, Sandusky and Cass City all tied up. Sandusky has not had a first down in the second half. Cass City, two in this drive alone, eight in the second half, 10 on the night. 39.2 seconds left, first and 10 from the Sandusky 31-yard line, yard line after this timeout is complete. Working off the right hash, left to right across the radio. Right, Cassidy still has one very important timeout in their back pocket. So that means that they can run the ball, they can utilize the middle of the field if they decide to pass it there. They do not have to design a play that gets out of bounds. So for Sandusky, you need to recognize that and still make that tackle in bounds. It doesn't matter if you give up 30 more yards. As long as you keep them out of the end zone, we're going to overtime. Lance Wodurski, wide left, wide right would be Noah Zaleski. Bryce Fernald under center, two men backfield. Staying in the pocket, looking to pass. It is, it's caught at the 25-yard line. It went through the hands of Zach Franzel at the 28 and brought in by Noah Zaleski after the tip through the hands, both hands, of Zach Franzel. And it's caught, runs out of bounds at the 24-yard line, second and four upcoming. Oh, these young quarterbacks, they just stare their receivers down, and Zach Franzel read the play, and I... He had both hands on the ball. I don't know how that went right through his hands, but that had pick six written all over it, and it went through his hands, and Noah Zaleski was able to haul it in and get out of bounds for a first down. This time, two wide to the right. Fernald in the pistol, looking to throw. Chucks it downfield, down to the end zone, and this one is in and out, out of the hands. It was underthrown at the one-yard line, and that was Alex Perry in the end zone trying to turn around and bring that one in in double coverage. Underthrown, incomplete, stops the clock with 28.6 seconds left. Two things on that play. It's a straight drop back and a, just a throw to the end zone to Alex Perry. But Caden Blaschel has wreaked havoc in this backfield all night long, and he forced that throw a little early, and he forced it to be short. Now for Alex Perry, if he locates that ball a second sooner, when he comes back to the ball, he's going to generate contact. That could have easily been a pass interference, but instead he dove for it and doesn't get it. Out of the pistol, and it's a, brought in by number three, Jordan Mester. He's down to the 10-yard line and forced out of bounds. And this stops the clock with 22.4 seconds left. A third down conversion. Number 26, DeLoren Wedge on the stop for Sandusky. First and 10 from the 11-yard line. 22 seconds left. 
First and ten, stops the clock as he ran out of bounds. Keep in mind, Cass City still has one timeout, but what you're seeing are these running backs of Cass City go about two yards down the field and then plant and go to the sideline. And those change of direction plays, the Sandusky Redskins secondary is not staying with them. And Bryce Fernald has landed the last two throws, and they've been able to get up the sideline and out of bounds with 22 seconds left. Back to the tee. It's a hand back to pass. Fernald rolling to his right to the near sideline, just runs out of bounds with it. Looks like he got back to the original line of scrimmage, maybe to the 10-yard line. Pushed out of bounds by Sandusky's Brady Frantzel. And now second down and nine after a gain of a yard. Stops the clock with 17 seconds left at the 10-yard line. There was really only one receiver on that play, and he was right on the goal line. But Matt Carlson and DeLorean Wedge, hands in both of his pockets. He was going nowhere, no separation. So all Bryce Fernald could do was just roll out of bounds, step out of bounds. It only cost him about five seconds. It's second down. They're going to give him a yard on the play. Second and nine from the right hash. 17 seconds to go all squared away at six. Six to six, Sandusky and Cassidy. Cassidy on the Sandusky 10-yard line. Facing the second nine, 17 seconds left. Fernald staying in the pocket, looking to pass. He has white jerseys. He has to keep it for himself. He's inside the 8-10. And forward progress has him stopped at the 7-yard line. Zach Franzel stops him there in his tracks for a 3-yard gain. And we have the third and final timeout called by Cass City with 10.7 seconds left in the fourth quarter. It's all squared at 6. Oh, that was just a broken play from the beginning. It's a rollout to the right. And then as soon as the handoff is faked and kept by Mac, uh, excuse me, uh, Bryce Fernald. When he turns, he sees two white uniforms. That easily could have been a sack. He does an excellent job of sliding between them and using that pressure against him to turn it upfield. He turns a loss of six or so into a gain of two. It's a pretty good play. Third down and seven from the eight-yard line. Ten seconds to go. No timeouts. So there. I think if I'm Cass City. I'm taking two shots at the end zone. Win or lose or draw, my chances of winning this game are running two plays into the end zone. Trying to find my biggest receiver, my best receiver. The guy we haven't heard who's caught some major passes over the years is Matt Mahalik. He's a guy that I think maybe would go undetected by the defense. I think I'd draw up a play in that direction. If not, I gotta go with my senior, my probably my best player, heart and soul going, Alex Perry. Matt Mahalik has two receptions on three targets for 16 yards tonight. Bryce Fernald, five of ten in passing for 48 yards. Third down and seven from the eight-yard line. 10.7 seconds left. T formation. Fernald stayed rolling to his left, looking to pass downfield. Now rolls to his right. Nothing is open. Has to come to the near sideline, then throws this one in, bounces inside the end zone, incomplete with two seconds left. Intended for Matt Mahalik in the end zone on an absolutely broken play. Fernald ran all the way nearly to the left hash, ran all the way to the near sideline, tried to make something happen, falls incomplete. Fourth down, seven to go, but more importantly, just two seconds left. I thought it was a masterful job of keeping the play alive. Oh, he kept the play alive. He the plays to his left, and I thought he had one-on-one -on -one coverage in the left side of the end zone. I thought he was going to lob it up and ask his receiver to go get it. He doesn't like it. He rolls back to the right, and that's where Matt Mahalik is standing under the field goal post, and he sees his quarterback in trouble, rolls with him, gives him a chance. But Fernald lets it go too late, and when he does, it hits the ground. Safely. Final drive of final play of regulation. Throws it in the end zone. Through the hands in the end zone, and we have a flag on the play as Noah Zaleski was being ripped down by the secondary of Sandusky. Number 20, that would be Martin, Martin Tovar. Tovar, the junior. So we have a no time on the clock, but the, the game cannot end on a defensive penalty. 
So now Kansas City will have one untimed down from the seven, or actually half the distance to the goal line, from the seven down to the three and a half. Pass interference against Sandusky. It's tough to make that call knowing the situation, but as far as I could see in real time, it certainly looked like Martin Tovar was tackling the receiver before the ball got Absolutely. there. So I think the penalty is justified half the distance to the goal. So it looks like the ball should be placed just inside the five somewhere with with no time on the clock. This will be the last play of regulation. Untimed down, zero seconds on the clock at the four-yard line. Six to six, Cassidy on offense, trying to take the lead here for the first time tonight with no time on the clock. Fernald in the pocket, rolling to his right, looking to pass downfield, throws, thinks about throwing wide open in the end zone. It is caught at the one-yard line. Is he in, though? He is not in. No word yet from the officials running in at the one-yard line. Is he in? He's no. Down at the one. He is brought down at the one-yard line. A huge tackle for Sandusky's defense. Number 26, DeLorean Wedge, stops him. That is the tackle of his career. Bryce Fernald doesn't realize that his, his tight end had leaked out of the left-hand side, was wide open, and when he, cut, when he threw the football, by the time it got there, DeLorean Wedge had a head of steam and absolutely sticks him right at the goal line. I don't think he got in either, but we are at a very poor spot to see that play on the far side of the end zone, and that ball had to have been stopped inside the one. What a defensive stand by Sandusky. Matt Mahalik brought in the pass, and they have the ball at the six-inch line to end regulation. Unbelievable finish to regulation, and we still have extra innings upcoming. Six to six, left in <laughs> no time left in regulation. Now we have a three-minute break entering into before we enter into overtime. Six to six, all squared, Sandusky and Cassidy both with one score. Sandusky scored in the second quarter. Cassidy scored with 9-10 remaining in the fourth quarter. Both two-point conversions failed, so that's how we got to the six-to-six six stalemate. And now we head to overtime. Bryce Fernald made that pass happen. Everyone was shifting to his right, looked to his left as the entire play rolled to the right. Matt Mahalik was open. The ball was thrown through the air and a lot of air underneath it. Responded, DeLorean Wedge was able to respond with his speed and gets in, brings down Matt Mahalik at the half-yard line. End of regulation, still tied at six. That's one of those crazy sequences where you call a penalty in the end zone with no time left on the clock and an easy pass interference call. And then the play rolls to the right. It's completely covered. Sandusky does an excellent job. And as he rotates left, he sees his tight end standing there jumping up in the air. But the ball had so much air under it that DeLorean Wedge is able to get over there and, again, make that tackle just outside the goal line. Uh, so close to being the end of the game. I, I'm very surprised that the receiver wasn't able to reach across the goal line, but nonetheless, a heck of a defensive stand. Maybe a, a defensive stand, the best one we may have ever seen in the 10 years of calling these games, Clark. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't this get is... any closer than that to be tackled at the six-inch yard line after regulation as we go to overtime. The last time we had overtime in the playoffs, Dave, two years ago, Harbor Beach and Ubley went into that triple overtime thriller in Harbor Beach. Came down to a two-point conversion for the difference maker. No question about it. Uh, easily in the top three games that we've ever seen, and uh, rightfully so, two equally matched teams. 
need an extra quarter to settle this thing out. So, Dave, what is Cassidy doing differently on defense? They did not allow a single first down in that second half for Sandusky. Same thing they did on the first quarter, Clark. They're, they're, they're blitzing. They're getting into the backfield. They are not allowing these running backs to get any head of steam. Now, it is risky because if you don't read that play right, it's going to go for a big play for Sandusky. But they have found where the ball is going. They have made tackles, not allowing DeLorean Wedge, Zach Franzel, and Martin Tovar to get ahead of speed. And on top of that, they've taken away Lucas Feehan, who did an excellent job in that second quarter, sneaking out of the backfield. So we move on to overtime session number one. As the home crowd here fired up, Sandusky trying to fire up their sideline as well as they were leading 6-0 for the first 39 minutes of this ballgame. So we're waiting for the both teams to come to midfield to conduct a coin toss to see who will have first possession, who will have second possession. And Dave, remind me of the rules here in, in overtime in high school. It's first down. Is it from the 10-yard line? The, I believe it's the 10-yard line. I was trying to remember when we saw this so. at Harbor Beach and Ubley a couple years ago. I think you get four downs from the 10. End of discussion. Um, if you get in, great. If you don't, my question is, do you have to go for two? Not yet. Not After yet. the third, obviously, th third overtime you Obviously, start to. both teams will. So that <laughs> probably is a moot point. But um, they're going to let this time on the clock run down. Their break will be over. And then we will decide who is going to get the ball first. So, referee Chris Shoemate from Reese will come out to midfield, calling in the captains, Bryce Fernald for Cassidy, Zach Franzel for Sandusky. Looks like a scene out of Rocky Four here. A battle from start to finish. We start tied at zeros. We're now tied at sixes. Chris Shoemate giving instructions to both captains describing what you will all endure here over the next few minutes on Sports Radio 1021 Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen Doug Cole and Dan Banky with their call tonight from the coziest booth in the Greater Them Conference Kansas City, Michigan Good to see a friendly face out there taking photos for the Sandlot County News That'd be Mike Gallagher Good to see him for the first time this season Absolutely, oh, that's a guy we got to catch up with We have not talked to him in a while there's nobody, absolutely nobody, more excited that high school football happened in the state of Michigan than Gallagher. No, without a doubt. No, there's no question. As much yeah. as we love it, you can't compete. So it looks like Sandusky won the toss, will take second possession. So Cass City then decides what end zone they will go to. So it will be Cass City on offense first. Left to right across your radio on the far right side of your radio. Six to six at the end of 48 minutes. It'll be first down from the 10-yard line. Four downs. See what you can do. Then the other team takes possession. Tell you, you couldn't have said it any better. Let's uh, let's get this show going here. This is don't want to take the momentum away. This has been an excellent finish, and it's going to be as we keep going. So Cassidy will be on offense first. If we interpreted the sign language correctly from about 70 yards away. Both teams still in the huddle. At the end of regulation, Cassidy ends up with 197 yards of offense on 51 plays. Sandusky, 37 plays and 110 yards. So flipping of the script there in the second half as Sandusky was actually out rushing at 90 yards at halftime. 
They end up with 110 yards at the end of the fourth quarter. 20 total yards for Sandusky in that second half. Cass City had, had halftime 44 yards. They end up with 197. Both teams with one touchdown, both rushing touchdowns. Cass City averaging 3.7 per rush. Sandusky, three yards per rush. It's Cass City's longest run, 32 yards. That was Bryce Fernald. Sandusky's longest run, a 10-yard run from DeLoren Wedge. Bryce Fernald really picked up this offense for Cass City. He's really been the difference in the game for both teams. Uh, both defenses obviously been outstanding to only allow six points apiece through four full quarters. But as they place the ball down, looks like Cass City will have the ball first. Now they did an excellent job in that fourth quarter in open space. But once they got inside the red zone, things got a little tougher. Let's see if this offense can figure it out. T formation, Fernald hands off to Alex. Quarterback keeper around the right side. Fernald down to the five-yard line. Touchdown. Down. Touchdown, Cass City. On the first play of overtime, Bryce Fernald finds the end zone from 10 yards out. And now it is Cass City with their first lead of the night. Comes in the first overtime session on the first possession of the first overtime. It is now Cass City 12, Sandusky 6. Bryce Fernald with a 10-yard dive. Keeper for himself around the outside. And you can just see his blockers, his lead back, his tight end setting the edge. And all it was one-on-one. -on -one, and that guy makes a, a hit on him, but it wasn't enough to stop his momentum into the end zone. And... Very little drama here. Cass City finishes off this drive on their very first play to go up six, and now the all-important two-point two point conversion. conversion. There's the snap, looking to pass down into the end zone. It is into the hands. It is caught. Matt Mahalik rips down the pass from Bryce Fernald. The first two-point conversion that is complete on the night on three tries, and Cass City now leads by eight points, 14 to six, at the end of the first possession of the first overtime. 14-6, Cassidy, their first lead of the night, comes in extra innings. Now Sandusky will start out at their 10-yard line. One play, 10 yards for Bryce Fernald, the two-point conversion, Mahalik brings in the pass. Now Cassidy on defense, Sandusky goes to the drying board, Craig Jacobson trying to find the end zone for the second time tonight for his Redskins. Dave Hanson, your thoughts? No doubt about it, but uh, if Sandusky's done th something well, they have had some success in the running game. It's But those big gains have been negated to three- and four-yard runs. I think if I'm Sandusky, I go ahead and pound my best running play right here and go from there. Play action is always a possibility. Keep in mind, uh, the coaching tree that Coach Jacobson came from, if there's any time for play action, uh, we've seen his protégés do it here, but if he's going to do it, it's going to happen on an early down. Backfield is Franzel, Wedge, and Tovar. Lucas Feehan under center at the 10-yard line. Trailing by eight points. Handoff to Zach Franzel. He drags his defenders all the way inside the five and down to the three-yard line. A seven-yard gain. Finally brought down by Jordan Mester. At the end of the play, Cassidy defender comes up with it. But they say he was down before even resulting close to a fumble. Seven-yard pickup. Second down and goal from the three. Oh, that's that's just the backbreaking for Cass City. You've got all the momentum on your side, and this Sandusky team, as I mentioned earlier, give them credit. They don't panic, and all of a sudden they run for one of their biggest gains in the second half, seven yards, and now they got three cracks from the three-yard line. Same exact formation working off the right hash from the three-yard line. Feehan under center, handoff to DeLorean Wedge, touchdown. No, hold on, excuse me. Yes, that is a touchdown. Touchdown to Lauren Wedge. No one reacted. So from three yards out, Sandusky's on the board in the overtime, and now a two-point conversion will decide this whole thing. Will we see the end of overtime with Cassidy Ween by two? 
a successful two-point conversion for Sandusky will, of course, send them to a second overtime, 14 to 12. After a wedge, three-yard dive. Absolutely, and if Sandusky gets it, their offense will stay on the field. They will get to go first in the second round of overtime. Two plays, 10 yards. Behan under center from the three-yard line. Splitting the hash marks. It's going to be a handoff to Zach Frenzy. He's brought down in the two. Cassidy wins. Cassidy wins. The two-point conversion is no good. Tackle made by 66 for Cassidy. Number 66, Ryan DeLong brings him down at the two-yard line. The two-point conversion fails. Cassidy victorious over the Sandusky Redskins at the home. And Cassidy punches their ticket to the district final in Division 7 to take on the winner of Hemlock and Bad Axe taking place tomorrow at Saturday at 1 p.m. Final score, Cassidy 14, Sandusky 12. Right here on your home for high school football, the WLEW Sports Network. Cassidy scores all 14 of their points in the second half. It took them an extra possession in overtime to do it, but they are the winners here in the second week of the postseason. Final score, Cassidy 14, Sandusky 12. The difference maker, a failed two-point conversion. San Cassidy holds strong, and that's it. You're listening to the WLW Sports Network, your home for high school football. We'll return in just a short moment. Final score from Cass City. The Kansas City Red Hawks victorious in overtime. Just took one overtime to do it. Two-point conversion. Stop by Ryan DeLong at the two-yard line was the difference maker. Final score, Kansas City 14, Sandusky 12. Kansas City now 8-0 in the season. Sandusky finishes at 7-1. We'll have all the details coming up in three minutes. Your home for high school football is the WLW Sports Network. Being powered by Agar Valley Services. Listening to the WLW Sports Network. Time for our postgame wrap up here from a thriller in the second week of the postseason. Final score Cass City wins by two points in overtime. 14 to 12. Dave Hansen, watch, take us through all the scoring plays tonight. In the first quarter, we had no score. In the second quarter, an 11 yard drive by Sandusky, capped off by a Lucas Feehan one yard run. The two point conversion fails, and at halftime, Sandusky would lead Cass City six to nothing. End of the third quarter. More of the same. It's still six to nothing. Sandusky over Cass City. And then in the fourth quarter, Cass City with nine minutes to go finds the end zone for the first time on a Mester eight-yard touchdown run. The two-point pass would fail, and we would be all tied up. Drama at the end of the game, a pass interference called with no time left, puts the ball at the four-yard line, and then a completed pass from Fernald to his tight end and DeLorean Wedge makes the tackle at the half-inch yard line. We go to overtime. In overtime, not much drama here. Bryce Fernald keeps it for himself on first and goal from the 10, and he rolls into the end zone. The two-point pass was good. Cassidy takes an eight-point lead. 
Sandusky responds quickly. Second play, DeLorean Wedge, three-yard touchdown run. But the two-point conversion run was no good, and that would be how your game would end. Sandusky 12, Cass City 14. At halftime, Sandusky had 90 total yards. Ten of those came in overtime on top of that. So Sandusky in the entire second half had 20 total yards. Not a single first down in that second half. They ended up with six first downs, all taking place in the first 23 minutes of this ballgame. Like we said, it was 6-0 Sandusky at the halftime. Cassidy really couldn't do a whole lot in that first half. It seemed like they were just running into that front line of Sandusky every time they tried to hand it off to Alex Perry, every time they tried to hand it off to Noah Zaleski, every time they tried to hand it off to Jordan Mester. And then Bryce Verdahl in that second half started to open things up, starting to roll out, started, you know, kept it for himself a few times, started to stretch that defense against Sandusky out. And that's when you saw, you know, in that second quarter, Sandusky had a 75-yard drive that had 17 plays in it and covered 11 minutes and 6 seconds for a score. In the second half, Cass City did the same on their scoring drive. This one was a seven-minute drive, covering 84 yards and used 14 plays, including five first downs, resulted in that Jordan Mester eight-yard run. And Cass City seemed to continue to do that through the entire second half. They started to get some chunk plays. They started to stretch out that defense more against Sandusky, and they kept Sandusky's defense on the field to wear them down. Yeah, if you'd have told me that Jordan Mester is going to run for 27 yards and be the leading rushing back that Cassidy had, I'd have told Aside you this, from Fernald. I'd have told you, well, Fernald's a quarterback. Yes, yes, yep. Starting running back was going to lead the way with 27 yards. I'd have told you Sandusky wins this game going away, and it's not even close. But these electric running backs did nothing all day long. The front seven, both teams had the same game plan, and they took away each other's running game. But it took till the second half as Cassidy was down six, and actually it really took till the fourth quarter. Then to really set Bryce Fernald loose. I really thought that they just unhinged and changed and said, you know what? You're going to have to win us this game. And he made a couple passes down the stretch, but he broke free with a couple runs that really opened up the defense. And then Sandusky was really lost after that. They still continued to stop the run, but Bryce Fernald in open space broke this game open for Cassidy. Yeah, you look at it, the three backs for Cassidy, a total of 67 yards between all three of them. Bryce Fernald had 88 yards on 11 carries compared to the 29 of Mesters, Lesky, and Perry. Leading the way, like we said, Bryce Fernald, 11 carries, 88 yards, and one touchdown. Had a 32-yard run that really flipped the field there for that final score, or marching down the field. He had carried the ball 28% of the time, as did Noah Zaleski and Alex Perry, each with 11 carries. Noah Zaleski, 11 carries for 25 yards. Jordan Mester did it with 7 carries and 27 yards in the score. Alex Perry, 11 carries for 16 yards. On the night through the air, Bryce Fernald six for twelve for fifty-one yards. His longest pass was a twelve-yard pass. He had a fifty percent completion rate of the night. Matt Mahalik three receptions on five targets for nineteen yards, and of course that all-important two-point conversion in overtime. Alex Perry one reception for twelve yards. Noah Zaleski one reception for ten yards, as well as Jordan Mester the same thing one reception for ten yards. Lance Sprudersky had one target, could not bring it in. For Sandusky's offense, 112 yards rushing on 36 carries, two completions on three attempts for passing for eight yards, total of 120 yards in the night. Mind you, Kansas City had 207. Leading the way, DeLorean Wedge, 12 carries, 45 yards and a score, averaged 3.8 yards per carry, carried the ball 33% of the time for the Redskins. Zach Franzel, 11 carries, 35 yards there, averaged 3.2 per carry. Lucas Feehan, the quarterback, 10 carries, 21 yards and one score. Average two yards per carry, and Martin Tovar, three carries for 11 yards on the night. 
through the air, two for three for passing for Feehan with eight yards. Brought in by Matt Carlson for seven yards, as well as Lucas Feehan for one reception for seven yards. And Zach Friend, this is we have something incorrect here, but we'll figure that one out. Regardless, though, two for three passing for Feehan tonight. Leading the way on defense. Cassidy had 39 tackles, four tackles for a loss. Sandusky, 51 tackles, four tackles for a loss as well in one tip pass. Jeremy Velasquez, one, seven tackles and one tackle for a loss. Dustin Nagley, six tackles, one tackle for a loss. Matt Mahalik, five tackles, one tackle for a loss. Bryce Fernald, four tackles. Ryan DeLong, four tackles and one tackle for a loss, including a tackle on that two-point conversion in overtime, which was the difference maker. Connor Herford, four tackles. Jordan Mester, three tackles. Alex Perry, three tackles, and so forth. For the Sandusky defense, 51 tackles, four tackles for a loss. Brendan Duff, 10 tackles, one tackle for a loss. Zach Franzel, seven tackles, one tackle for a loss. DeLoren Wedge, six tackles. Brady Franzel and Mitchell Davis, each five tackles and one tackle for a loss. Martin Tovar, Jacob Sanderson, and Kanan Blaschel, four tackles apiece. Absolutely, and you can uh, you can take Sandusky in that whole front seven and uh, tell them they had a heck of a game. I mean, Caden uh, Blashall was in the backfield, seemed like on every other play. DeLorean Wedge uh, had six tackles, and he made the tackle at the end of regulation to perf- to keep that game going. Brennan Duff, uh, 10 tackles. He was on every play as well. Uh, as for Sandusky, they, they defensively, they, they performed very well, and I, I thought Lucas Feehan had a really nice game, but they, they shut him down in the second half. We found that error there. Lucas Feehan, two for three through the air. Uh, Matt Carlson had the one reception for seven yards. Zach Franzel, one reception for one yard. Correct. Yeah, Lucas Fian did not throw it to himself. No. I'm not sure how that got well, there, but no he, big deal. He was quite capable tonight, but he couldn't quite do that. Exactly. And then on the Cass City side, uh, you know, there really wasn't a lot going on, but there's one guy that I, I thought uh, outperformed the entire game, and uh, I think he's ended up being our Thompson Chevrolet player of the game. Let's hear it. Uh, it's going to be Bryce Fernald. I, I think he, uh, he was a difference maker in this game. You look at two teams that were dead even. And when the game was over, who made the impact? Who made the play when they needed it? And Bryce Fernald did that for Cass City. A couple big runs. One was a couple were designed. One was not. Uh, one was a pass play that he tur- he started running and did an excellent job making that decision. And they also had a read option that easily could have been the running back's play. Instead, he keeps it himself for another big game. He ends up with 88 yards on the ground. By far the leading rusher. He doubled any other rusher in this game. And then on top of that, had another 50 yards passing on six completions and the all-important two-point conversion pass. So uh, all hands on deck. Bryce Fernald gets our vote for the Thompson Chevrolet player of the game. And, of course, Thompson Chevrolet, a proud sponsor of the Strong Side. You can listen next Sunday at 7 p.m. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, Paul P. Adams for one hour on Sports Radio 1021 as well as streaming live on YouTube. Other area scores here. Another game went to overtime as well, and that was in Division 8 in Ubley. And the Ugly Bearcats victorious over the USA Patriots in overtime, 20-14. to Fairly similar situation to the one we saw in front of us. Identical. USA had the ball first in overtime and was stuffed on all four plays. Ugly got the football, and who else? Carson Haleski on the second play from scrimmage punches it into the end zone. The Bearcats are moving on to the next round. So Ugly wins 20-14. to They will take on Flint Beecher. In Flint Beecher, as Flint Beecher is the one seed, Ubley is the two seed in that district. So that game will be either Saturday or Friday. We'll find out on that one. Don't forget to tune in Sunday night at 7 o'clock because we know there's a lot of good stuff to go through in that Ubley USA game that we did not get to see that we will be able to relay to you Sunday night at 7 p.m. Most definitely. In eight-player football division one, we had two games taking place tonight. Merrill and Morris still going battle in the fourth quarter. Looks like it was 32-14 last we heard. Morris leading by 14 points there. 
in the other game in Adrian. That game actually was tonight, not tomorrow. And Adrian Lenaway Christian takes out Mayville 78-14. to You think they meant business? That's a statement game there. That 78-14. And we said, though, Merrill's a pretty good team considering it's their first year in Division One eight player. They're giving Morris a little bit of heck there, but uh, Morris uh, still is the team to beat Division One. Congratulations to the media roundtable winner tonight, Doug Cole. He now has a three-game lead. As Doug Cole took Cassidy by six points, Dave Hansen close, but he took Cassidy by seven points. The wrong side in the over-under there. And Paul P. Adams and Dan Banky both took Sandusky. So a close game. We knew it was going to be a close game all through and through. Didn't fully expect it to go into overtime and be decided by two points. We said they were two even teams. They both want to do the exact same thing. So I guess we shouldn't have been so surprised. Uh, <laughs> but ended up being a, a heck of a ball game and most of the action you could have waited right till the end. That's where it all was. Final thoughts, Dave Hansen. It was, a, again, a closely contested game. Two very good defenses that had it had their way all night long. It just took a little bit of uh, Bryce Fernald in the second half. He really carried this team in the second half. Some big plays on the ground, made a couple important throws down the stretch to really open up that defense and help them get a couple scoring drives very late when it looked bleak for, for Cass City. Tonight's game broadcast was brought to you by Thumb Sailor, the talk of the thumb, DS Services of Cass City, Conic Radiator and Air Conditioning of Maddox, Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns, the Heron Daily Tribune, the North Star Bank, Huron Auto Parts, Farmers Co-op Green Company of Cass City, Countryside Sales and Service, and Stacks Market of Owendale, Thumb Bank and Trust, Community Strong since 1895, good to see CEO Ben Schott up here in the tower for Cass City. The, Th- the Michigan High School Athletic Association and Sure Health, Better Health, Better Life. Are you sure? On behalf of our entire broadcast team, in-game analysis Dave Hansen, our number one spotter, best in the business, that'd be Dan Benke, and the best statistician and director of sports information in the business as well, Doug Cole. I'm Clark Ramsey, producer and host of this broadcast. We hope you enjoyed tonight's game. We certainly did. It was a thriller. We can say that almost about every single game we cover, but this one takes it to a whole new level. Cassidy wins over... Sandusky in overtime, 14 to 12. Now we'll take on the winner of Hemlock and Badax. Thank you for listening. So long. This has been a presentation of the WLEW Sports Network, powered by Agri Valley Services on Sports Radio 102.1 FM and live and worldwide at WLEWSports.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search for WLEW Sports. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network.